Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for the 15th installment of our Extra Lore series, recorded live on June 7th, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Our topic for this chat is going to be an exploration of the Titanfall series. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who, um, who has actually gone out of his way to uh, play some of tonight's game, Justin saying 0516. Justin, what are your thoughts on the topic? I, I really like Titanfall. I get a very strong, it's, it's almost like um, I get a strong Halo vibe from the, uh, you know, like the, the colonies and the, or the frontier and the IMC and everything. And also, for some reason, it makes me think of Firefly. So mm. I enjoy being a brown coat. Um, Serenity. <laughs> yes. Yes, Serenity now. Um, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed. I really, I, I'm not going to lie. I, didn't re- I played just like a little bit of, of Titanfall 2 multiplayer. Uh, Titanfall 1 multiplayer. Didn't really get into it because that was right when I was just getting into Destiny. But um, Titanfall 2, I enjoy immensely. And um, the revamped story mode is kind of awesome. Yeah, like, so we, we talked a little game. bit. We, talk, we were talking a little bit about that before the before the show. Um, well, Mel is working while we're here playing around, so be sure to let her know that we miss her over on Twitter at the Wind of the Stars. Um, and then we also have our resident Gunter Extraordinaire, Green Eyed Music Lover. Green, hope you're ready for the shenanigans. Do you have any thoughts on tonight's topic? I've watched a lot of Mr. Fruit playing it. I've played maybe hmm. 10 minutes of the game, but I've watched quite a bit of YouTube on it, so I don't know if I know any lore behind it, but it's fun to watch. That's always that's uh, that's always better than than not having anything. So, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, for these topics, we always want to make sure we have someone who is well-versed in the lore. So with all that being said, I want to welcome Taylor B., Taylor, how is everything going for you tonight? Oh, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. We know we know you guys. We were talking a little bit. Taylor Taylor made sure that he was going to be here. Uh, <laughs> he's got he's got an early morning tomorrow, so we really appreciate you you carving out some time to come come hang out with us. Um, can you can you let us know where people can find you and really just what got you into the Titanfall series? Oh yeah, they can they can find me of course in the uh, Focus Fire chat Discord. Um, I'm and I'm typically in Spinfoil Lounge, but I'm definitely in the uh, the uh, what is it the Fight Club? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah. the food fight my club. food all the time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> making me jealous so most sense. of the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, um, I'm sporadically on Twitter at uh, this is Red Leader L I T R E. Nice, we approve. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, what got me into Titanfall is uh, when I was a little kid, I was really into uh, Gundam and all all the other big mecha anime things. So uh, one of my favorite games uh, growing up was back on the Dreamcast, and that was a Gundam Rise from the Ashes uh, 0079, which is one of the first ones that I ever played where you were kind of like in the cockpit of mm. the mobile suit nice. while you're moving around. And then um, 
when Titanfall came out, you know, I wasn't on Xbox, so I was kind of let down that I didn't get to play it. But when it came over um, with um, the second game to PS4, I was definitely excited and uh, got into not too, too long ago. It was one of the times it was on sale. I decided to pick it up. But yeah, no, it's it's definitely become one of my favorite games. Nice. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I was, it's actually going to be one of my first questions to you guys is the the distinction of the mechs like i think i mean let's let's run through the intro real quick and then i want to get into that because that's that's one of my biggest questions actually about titanfall is the mechs not just not just the story which um i've played i've played some of titanfall one i have not played i got to play the demo that they had at e3 last year for titanfall 2 but that Mm. wasn't that wasn't like a story mission it was just the pvp aspect um, so like there wasn't like any really big story reveal on it. Um, and it felt a lot, I mean, it felt very similar to Titanfall one in the, in the sense of like the base gameplay and stuff like, plus it was on a PS4, which I had, was like, I don't even know what to do with my hands on a PS4 controller. I was like, <laughs> I, this is really weird. Um, so yeah, I definitely, the, the, the mech is like the biggest thing for me. It's like, is it like a Gundam? Is it like the the zoids like what is what is that um oh that's a rabbit hole oh yeah no i i can imagine (laughs) i will be as because thing is is like there's multiple multiple types of mechs right Mm -hmm. yeah so well let's run let's run through the intro real quick and then uh we'll jump into a brief summary of the story and then go we'll start looking at the different options for rabbit holes that we can kind of stick our head into Before we start off the chat, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last Extra Lore episode, we discussed the Forgotten Realms. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats as well as links to our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing and to help us continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. We try to stream a recap of this month-long conversation in the first week of each month, Please note that next month, due to the Guardian Con event, we will be recording it the second week instead of the first. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire, and the network's newest edition, a non-Destiny podcast, Paragon Radio. Our next extra lore is going to be another discussion on the lore of Halo. Be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in on that. With all that being said, Taylor, would you kindly start us off with a general summary on the information that we have about Titanfall? All right. Well, like something you need to know going into Titanfall, I think, is the uh, the general outlay of the universe. So what that is, is in the future, mankind has uh, constantly grown and expanded um, much beyond the population of just the planet. They've expanded into colonizing other planets and outside of the solar system. 
So at the same time that um, mankind is expanding outside of the solar system, population is like rapidly expanding with it. So then you get to the frontier, which is kind of like the edge of the galaxy, let's say. Our system, which is the solar system, Earth that we inhabit, as you can like practically get. Um, so along with this expansion, uh, inner inner system uh, companies and uh, firms such as Hammond Engineering, they develop alongside the expansion. So what started as Hammond Engineering eventually becomes the uh, Interstellar Manufacturing Corporation. As mankind is expanding, you kind of have this situation that's... Uh, I mean, you, you might recognize it from other sci-fi material. So you have these frontier settlers who are going out there and trying to settle these new places and sort of state their claim. And then you have this uh, corporation that has, what should I say here, that has sort of a blessing and contract from the intercourse system to uh, use these resources to help facilitate the uh, the inner cluster. So that um, that goes that goes back into kind of Justin what you were saying with the the Firefly feel, and yeah. actually a lot of and the Halo also, feel. I mean, pretty much any of yeah, because uh, pretty much Frontier equals Outer Colonies. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I was about to say the uh, the Expanse. The I don't know if you guys have seen the Expanse, but that TV show kind of deals with the. It's not mm-hmm. as ex, it's not as expansive as Titanfall. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was like I realized that what I was saying and I just went with it. Um, it's not it's not as like as big as Titanfall is with regards to like the the geographic or not the geographic but like the the space. Um, but like the Expanse is kind of a a, a giant. Uh, chess game between two empires and then the asteroid belt where all the resources are so it's it's kind of like it feels like a it feels like that is a very popular science fiction trope being used recently is this like this like the outer colonies versus the inner colonies yeah yeah no no you know that's how it's gonna happen too (laughs) i knew this was gonna happen (laughs) well I'm just saying, like th- this is the model. It's it's how terrestrial, yeah, colonization happened. I mean, there there's a reason for this. You can't, you know, completely yeah, dis- decentralize his- your, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's massive. It's, it's going to repeat itself. Well, and I mean, in, in to a degree, historically, it makes sense. You know, you have an empire through which colonization efforts are being pushed to the frontier. Um, from and there is always going to be stress between the colonists and the individuals who started out calling the shots but aren't on the front line because they're enjoying mm-hmm. the comfort of home. So, I mean, that's that is uh, there's a reason it is common. I completely yeah. completely agree with that. But basically, the frontier the frontier colonies serve at the pleasure of the inner core. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the beginning, there was not many, there were not many problems from that, but that kind of changes. Why don't you uh, tell us why that changes Taylor? 
You got it. You got it. So as um, as things expand, the uh, the IMC that uh, Interstellar Manufacturing Corporation mentioned earlier that uh, sort of grew from uh, Hammond Engineering Robotics um, over a couple centuries. Like the expansion wasn't like instant, but um, they basically got a contract that gave them eminent domain over the frontier resources and uh, settlements. So what they would do is they would show up we're basically taking all your resources. You guys can relocate through us or we can just kill you if you resist. Oh, that, cause because that never, that never goes got the over backing well. of, started. It started a whole war. Um, the initial uh, Titan war was actually really one sided because the IMC were the only people with Titans. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. it <laughs> sounds like it's unfair. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Yeah, it was a little one sided. <laughs> so they they were the only people with Titans in this conflict. Um, the uh, there wasn't really quite an organized militia at, at that point, as you'll find like in in the first game and the second game sort of like ragtag groups of people who are like trying to stand up to the, uh, their oppressors. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was, it was very heavy handed. Um, there weren't sort of equivalent, um, machinery artillery or weapon that the, uh, the frontiers people had at that time. Did they have any pilots? Cause I, I know that's like one of the big, things with the the mechs themselves is that they have to have a pilot that's trained for it but did any of the frontier men were they pr- like formally private pilots at all or uh so yeah go ahead in the titan wars they're not they're not quite pilots yet but a lot of the things that would uh make someone a candidate um in the like the conflict of the first game where both sides had titans mm-hmm would be drawn from this conflict. So it's about like being hypermobile, uh, moving around. And in the Titanfall universe, like far in the future, everyone, at least that's a player character, is hopped up on nanites and all kinds of future <laughs> tech. So, so that's how you have things explained. Like uh, um, you have jump jets on your hips, which I actually really appreciated as opposed to like the Star Wars on your back. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it doesn't burn your backside. It actually just like boosts your center of gravity. That's Makes that's sense. the big, yeah. That's that that that's what I would say is the the, the Titan Wars definitely define the criteria for what would become a pilot for the militia. Mm-hmm. But they weren't pilots as such because the uh, the frontier side didn't have didn't have any sort of equivalent machinery and hadn't stolen any uh, IMC uh, Titans yet. Okay, I just didn't know if there was like pilots from the IMC that were out there originally that got stranded or lost their mechs or anything like that. Um, well, the, uh, the transition for the, uh, first Titanfall conflict is there's, um, the, they get a hold of either abandoned or a sort of derelict, uh, and this company Kodai, which is sort of the uh, the technolo- technological supplier to the militia, furbished mm-hmm. and um, sort of redesigned the Titans for their use. So okay. It, so it almost became a corporate war 
in the sense also of inner outer conflict, you have corporation sponsors now. It sounds like, right? Yeah, it reminds me actually of uh, if anyone's familiar with like the Cody Fire Stick, that thing you can kind of order uh, <laughs> online. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, um, yeah. Yep. Yep. I know. That. I was like, so they're using the hardware of someone else to promote their yeah. own. Exactly. Like that, that. That's sort of how I view uh, Kodai in the Titanfall universe. That makes, uh, that there, makes there actually a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like there, there, there could be some corporate espionage involved. It's not alluded to in the story in, in any way. <laughs> but it's amazing. They suddenly know how to reprogram an operating system that is not theirs. Oh, man. That's, that's, that's interesting, too, because that also explains, like, you know, how it goes from a Titan slaughter to a Titan war. And, and it kind of felt like a somewhat quick, you know, turnaround, too. I don't I don't know if that's how it was meant to be in the game but I remember like I remember the the little bit like so my biggest my biggest complaint with Titanfall <clears throat> and my my understanding is they've they've repaired this in Titanfall too but my biggest complaint in Titanfall was like it was 100% multiplayer which is fine I don't have a problem with that but there was no um guiding on like what exactly you were fighting for so, like, for well, a lot of us, it was just like, oh, we're going to jump in, and there was, like, you know, like, a 15-second clip. That really well done. Really well done cinematic at the beginning of the, the mission. And then, like, you are you have, like, the whole, like, jumping off the ship, and you're either, you know, team, basically team blue or team red. And that w- and, like, there was chatter going on in the background, but because it was PvP, if you stopped to try to listen to what was going on, you got killed. Which oh, absolutely. basically immense, like very yeah. quickly teaches you don't pay attention to what they're yelling unless it's like actually like you need to get to point such and such. If they're just talking, just just tone it like tune it out, um, which is really, really sad because it felt like, well. And then also their the missions were like never played in order. I remember like when I first yeah started, that is a pro- that is a problem oh it was very confusing I so like I got it when it was a game for gold right and we got, or no it was a deal for gold or something we got it for like two bucks my my brother uh, kung fu and I got it and we started playing it the very first mission that we played was the last mission which I'm like. I have no idea, but someone important just died, and everyone's yeah. really pissed off, and I have no James, idea. James McCallan feels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why everyone's crying, but apparently he was really important to something, and so I don't even know who it was, but yeah, it was, it was for, for a storytelling point, it was a very disjointed presentation. Titanfall it, 2, yeah. my understanding, and Justin, I think you kind of touched on this. I'll let you take this one. Titanfall 2, the storytelling is like 180 degrees. Like it's completely mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. and much better, my understanding is on that. Is that is that right, Justin? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's okay. For, before I move on to Titanfall 2, but Titanfall 1 was a novel idea. Y- yes, um, yes. It, I agree. It was. That. It was a novel idea. It hadn't really been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely needed some refining. And I think more than anything, it needed more missions. And it also needed some sort of system where the first time you ran them, you had to run them in order. 
And then after that, you could just do them in whatever order. Like they'd queue randomly for mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. But um, that's those are my only problems with Titanfall One. The the I think it's actually really cool, and I, I didn't get to play through every single mission on both sides. But I believe there were separate, you know, separate endings, and and yes. kind of you yeah you got both sides of the story based on whether you were a, a militia or IMC. I think that that is. An awesome idea. I would really like to see a game like Overwatch implement a similar, oh. you know, storytelling, storytelling like uh, scheme. I think it'd be amazing. So it was a good idea. Cool. It, you know, it just didn't really materialize the way they wanted. Titanfall Two is whole different ball game, full blown, um, cinematic cutscene, um, mm. and dialogue driven story mode which is, I hate to admit, is pretty much the the majority of what I've played in Titanfall 2. I hadn't got a chance to play much multiplayer. It's There's almost too much going on for me to play a whole lot of Titanfall 2 multiplayer. There's way too many things. <laughs> like, I just need, I need a gun and a grenade and a melee. And yeah, I can jump too. That's in movement abilities are almost pushing it. So um, I was... <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Someone also coming from Destiny, like switching over into Titanfall <laughs> Two, which is uh, like like Destiny. Uh, you know, the, it well, it's definitely rough because the the time to kill is just like it's not even in half. It's oh. like micro what it what I'm yeah. used to. So yeah, no, it, it, high mobility and, and all that. I find that like my play style ends up being what most people complain about on the Titanfall Reddit, but. <laughs> You're just a, a flanker, huh? <laughs> I'm that scrub who's always on that weird roof who's shooting you on the other <laughs> roof with the G2 from across the way. <laughs> but I just um, I like I like the 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 uh, you know talking about the mobility and you you kind of mentioned this with like the hip the hip thrusters, uh, the the wall run like the the way you could do mm-hmm. that it just yeah i mean it just made it made it open maps it open it's like uh with halo 5 and clamor you know like it it opens up where you can get on maps and it just changes the entire dynamic of how how fights they're now vertical they're not just horizontal you have to be paying and, attention to <laughs> to up above yeah. as much as you are in front of you and it also makes it to where, you know, when you play Halo 5, you know, there's the route up here by the box where people clamor up. Right. You know, right, there's right, right. the route up the ramp where people run up and then there's like maybe one more. So there's enough. There's there's so few routes that you can actually know them all in Titanfall. It's I mean, I guess if you played enough, you could know every route and be so familiar with every route that you could anticipate all these things. But for the average player in Titanfall. Like you'll get killed and go, huh? Didn't know you could do that. Um, <laughs> that I guy tell you was... what, though, at least you get to watch the replay of how they did it. Like, you yes, can be like, oh, and that's how I died. Yeah, oh, I yeah, appreciate. Yeah. I appreciate that. The kill counts. Um, but yeah, I well, I don't know if this is putting the cart before the horse, but um, one of the things Titanfall Two nailed that I think um, not to criticize, but I think destiny is, you know, if you go back to vanilla or even, even the later iterations um, kind of fell flat on having your buddy, your NPC buddy, 
drive story dialogue effectively was something Timefall 2 excelled at. BT is an amazing partner. <laughs> he's he's an amazing little voice in your ear throughout that campaign. I, I and so okay, I absolutely so going going BT. off that the NPC. So okay, well, let's use that then. Who is BT? BT. <laughs> right, so, go ahead. So, uh, oh no, no I, I'm sorry. Like like jump jumping ahead to a uh, Titanfall two. B, BT is the uh, sort of the amalgamation. He's the first Vanguard class Titan. So he's he's the first um, militia Titan that was manufactured and developed by the militia. They're not refurbishing IMC titans they're not stealing other people's technology they're developing their own technology okay and what's really special about the vanguard class is they can kind of they kind of have like a it's almost like a plasticity so like they can they can be on the battlefield they can pick up another titan's weapon and they can recustomize their loadout oh so it's very versatile they're they're designed to be dropped behind enemy lines uh for survival like they're they're sort of like the creme de la creme in the titan universe so they're they're like chameleons, basically, all the way, and that's a, that's a big part of the uh, of the uh, the campaign mode too. Like as uh, in Titanfall two, as you work your way through and you come to different points in the story, you encounter different loadouts that are kind of designed to uh, help you navigate your way through the next part of the campaign. And uh, what what's really ingenious about the campaign in Titanfall two is it really sets you up to play all of the multiplayer. Like you, you're kind of ready to play all the different multiplayer modes by the time you come out of the campaign mode. That's really nice too. And that that's if you keep switching loadouts and you don't just run tone through the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, what's this? It shoots flames. This sucks. <laughs> Dude, I, I was that goober running brute from like when I first got it, <laughs> just running through. <laughs> Which isn't even isn't even a Titan that you can get in the regular game, but that's that's a whole other story. <laughs> like, <laughs> so and so going going off that, so BT is BT is the kind of the the militias. Well, the militias finally they they custom build their own Titan in response to what is it the I the IMC? Is that, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they. They've, they've, um, by Titanfall two, they've, uh, they've built BT, and they've, uh, they've refurbished Titan technology um, to the point to where they can start developing their own. So BT is uh, a Vanguard class um, Titan. They're their new first line of uh, Titans. Um, in the, I think the opening, uh, not the opening cinematic, but the opening mission that you do in the Titanfall two campaign. Uh, Last Mosa, who's kind of like uh, Jack Cooper, your main character's mentor, uh, sort of uh, goes into how they don't have to depend on salvaging IMC uh, material anymore. Okay, okay, and I know, I know the um, yeah, Green, you have that's where I was actually going next. Mm-hmm. Um, does so like this Titan, which is the the you know they they seem to have AIs to a degree. Like there, there is a form of artificial intelligence in the Titans in general. Cause I mean, just like the concept of piloting such a giant mech, uh, you would think that there would be a base, you know, operating system of some kind. Does BT's, um, AI, is that more sophisticated than the base AI? Does it actually have a person? I mean, Justin, you said that there's almost an NPC personality. So does BT have its own personality? How does that 
Yes. Yeah. Um, BT is the, well, it's actually BT7274. Uh, am I getting the numbers mixed up? 7274. So um, that's the, the Titans designation. But when I say BT, I'm really talking about the, the AI personality, um, the onboard intelligence um, that's inside. Okay. Uh, it's hard to separate the two, but... Um, well, can they the be separated? AI, uh, actually, I, yes. Okay. Yeah. Do that, yeah, but, do that uh, one point in the story. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, but, but it's much more than just a... Uh, you know, it's it's much more than just like a guidance and and logistical, you know, computing artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. Mm-hmm. This is this is very much a, a learning artificial intelligence or smart AI as, as we've, you know, I mean, think Cortana to the Master Chief. That's what BT is to right. to Jack Cooper in Timefall Two. Not that BT is as sophisticated as Cortana, but as well, far that- as their relationship. I think I think that's a really good comparison. I was also going to say if anyone had played uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, guy mm-hmm. in that game, how it sort of is a uh, paired to learn with the pilot, like the the connection's very deep uh, to to the pilots, who are like they kind of both like learn together. Right. Yeah, but one of the like funniest one of the funniest parts of uh, BT is his delivery. So. BT hasn't hasn't figured out things like sarcasm and um, <laughs> figurative speech um, and things like that. So there'll be times where Jack will will say something like, "Oh, BT, long time no see," and B- and BT will say, "Well, actually, I had access to your to your camera feed the whole time, so I saw <laughs> you in action. Good job." Is, or you know, it's is it's, BT it's, Drax from Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy? <laughs> nothing he's, he's goes over my there. head. <laughs> I would catch it. Um, <laughs> Almost there. He's, uh, what is it? At one point, um, Jack asks BT if he's in love with, mm. a, with with something when he's minoring it, and BT goes all like analytical and he's like, "Well, like if love is is X and Y, I am fifty percent in love." Yeah, it's like <laughs> love is a, a mix of uh, what was it? Admiration, loyalty, and and all all these other attributes. <laughs> <laughs> Asking if he's in love with a loadout. It's it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, the the Titans the Titans are definitely um they're they're sort of a uh a version of like modern take tank technology and sort of mm-hmm. our modern fledgling like exoskeleton technology. So um speaking of what you were kind of mentioning before we started about mechs, like Titans are actually controlled hundred percent by your mind. Oh, it's like you're moving your own body while you're doing it because of the connection that they have to the pilot. So like, whereas in Gundam, like they have joysticks and they're actually right. Like, right. This is more uh, the gesticulating uh, and controlling everything. This is more like the Iron Man um, after extremists upgrade. Absolutely. Um, so it's, it's very much uh, in a couple of the cutscenes, um, especially in the second Titanfall, like uh, someone will be talking at you from their, their Titan. And their hatch will be open because they're they're trying to like rouse the troops or whatever, and they'll uh, gesticulate, and the Titan will gesticulate with them. So like like two fists are raised when they're trying to be like, yeah. <laughs> is there a way that they port themselves to it? Is like a is there a neural transmitter? Or are they yes. plugging in like it's, Matrix or? 
a neural link between the between the pilot and the Titan. Not unlike uh, what you see when you watch. Have you seen Pacific Rim? Mm-hmm. Kind of similar. If you've ever noticed the the Titans, none of them have windows on the front because that would be very dangerous for the pilot. Um, so no. Yeah, basically. When you when you jump in there and link up with your Titan, um, the like the view out of the what would be the windshield is is projected in front of you via neural link. Do I have that right, Taylor? Oh, you have that absolutely right. It's um it, actually if you if uh, as more familiar with the second game, if you remember that sort of like first mission where Elastomosa is training you, you're in one of these pods, and these pods have like if, if you look into it, it almost looks like a uh, you know, like an embroidered pillow with like the buttons that, that go down in on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like going, going all around the room and like each of those are a, are a data point to where like they can project this image onto the screen. So it's, it's very immersive. I, I, that's really done through like uh, nanotechnology as opposed to like direct links, like a la the matrix. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. like the, for the link to establish like that 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 takes some time and that that takes some sort of wear and tear on the pilot for it to happen like you might pass out while that's going on that sounds that sounds fun but essentially it's augmented reality Um, yeah okay so pokemon go gives us titans (laughs) yes okay so so the next the next question when we're talking about ai is law of law of robotics right you know you asimov's law of robotics um is there something similar to that within titanfall uh absolutely there's a no go for it go for it absolutely there's a there's the three protocols okay so um and I'm actually not sure if this is strictly the militia or the IMC, because I could see the IMC having uh, some different values, which I can get into here in a minute. But the uh, the first protocol is uh, establish a link with the pilot. Um, so that's that's their prime directive. If Titan doesn't have a pilot, it's going to look for a pilot, is, is how I take that being its primary directive there. Protocol two is execute the mission, no matter the cost. So... Um, how that should be viewed is the, the Titan isn't going to necessarily, necessarily sacrifice like everything in its sister in its way to accomplish the goal you give it, but it will most certainly sacrifice itself. Okay. And that brings me to protocol three, protect the pilot. So the, the pilot is not, is not a part of the, uh, no matter the cost of protocol two, as I read that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just, I was about to say, doesn't that, uh, negate the, yeah. For, or the second one. So okay. Yeah. On that flow chart, there's an arrow around protocol two. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I always wonder I always wonder if like IMC Titans maybe have like a slightly different thing because I could see them having uh the IMC sort of viewing IMC property as more valuable than the pilot. Oh god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is the pilot considered part of the IMC property though? Oh. There, we can get this in, in the way. There, there are these things called simulacrums, sort mm-hmm. of uh, these like little like robot guys. They don't look too dissimilar from Sweeperbot, actually, from Destiny. Oh, but, the uh, specters. Yeah, the, well, the specters, but um, it's it's the uh, the smarter ones. So, like in Titanfall Two, it'll be like Ash. But if you think back to a Titanfall One, it'll be like Spyglass. Yeah. So it's way yeah, more similar yeah, to yeah. a specter. Um, Ash is, a butt, be, is pain in the butt. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, she can be. But uh, the, the, there's two different kinds of those, though. So there's a there's a transferred consciousness. No intelligence. Did, Did, you dropped you dropped a little bit he, there. He he transferred his consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Sorry, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, I, I was going to say it's a, there's a there's a total artificial consciousness. So um, in like, like a cloud, cloud, right? Like isn't Spyglass like a giant cloud? Yeah, he's the entire IMC um, infrastructure. Oh, cool. He's he's an intelligence that was like brought out of their in, entire infrastructure. So all of his bodies are considered disposable because you won't actually lose spyglass. Oh, That's disturbing. Okay, he's the Vex. The Vex mind. Well, actually, he's more like Ultron. Yeah. Okay. He so like the physical the physical manifestation of him is only one node, but the actual intelligence aspect is spread out so if the physical manifestation gets destroyed it's just like oh i lost a computer i didn't actually lose the database i just need to find a new computer yeah exactly um but there's there's the other type too so you never really find it out in the story but like uh for those of for those who are familiar with titanfall 2 and we'll get into this later but um uh ash Ash is a uh, is one of the adversaries, apex predators, people you fight in Titanfall Two. She is a simulacrum, also, but she isn't sure of her uh, history. So there's a good chance she may be a uh, a human turned into a simulacrum, as opposed to a totally artificial simulacrum like a spyglass. Oh wow! Oh, because uh, okay, okay, okay. And hers was one of the hardest boss battles for me. That's the <laughs> The Bob the Builder battle, correct? I was gonna say <laughs> Bob. The I was gonna Builder? say is she is she mm. second only to Viper? <laughs> yes. It, it is literally it is literally the most annoying. It's it's actually one of the coolest video game levels I think I've ever played. You spend the whole level going through this assembly line, and you're trying to figure out the whole time what they're making. Towards yeah. like the middle of the assembly line, it becomes evident that you're on this little platform that a house is being built on like everything with furniture and, and dummy people inside it and everything. And you're like, what are we doing? Making model homes. And then finally at the end, spoiler alert at the end, all of these little platforms with houses and structures and, and fake people and um, get put up onto this test platform. And it's a, a battle simulator. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah, just yeah. they queue up buildings and stuff, and then simulate battle, and you have to fight this person on it. And in the exploding oh, spider sounds amazing. It is, yeah. it is. The exploding it, spired spiders and the uh, the apex predator titans will follow you in the buildings. <laughs> it's um, pretty great. It's pretty great. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything else that sort of sets up the universe. If you guys are cool, like I can go into the story of uh, the first game, which isn't as expansive as the second game. I yeah, let's. Yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's good. Lead on. All right. All right. So in in the first mission of Titanfall, it's the refueling station. So the first fleet of the militia is like really parched for fuel. Um, the militia is really small at this time. Um, there may be separate factions if you're familiar with uh, the current sort of Star Wars uh, extra universe, um, like Star Wars Rebels and that like that. Mm-hmm. So you have like factions who aren't necessarily aware of each other. It's sort of that kind of setup. Uh, you know, you're 
you know you're the first militia fleet, but you don't know how quite big the militia is. It's, it's all very vague from your point of view. So you're going to take some fuel from the nearest uh, IMC station. And that is in the Yuma system. Um, and so the IMC kind of gets, uh, I'm, I'm sort of going from both perspectives here, because in the first game you could be on the militia side or you could be on the IMC side. So sorry if it seems like I'm going back and forth. But uh, basically you're, you're in the Yuma system. Mostly automated turrets on this IMC station. And Captain Dunham, the militia squadron leader, leads the first uh, squadron against three locations simultaneously. So he's, he's trying to overwhelm the, uh, the location to uh, spread their defenses thin so that they can uh, make off with the fuel. So when the mission begins, the uh, IMC side pilots are led by Sergeant Blisk who is a South African Butthead. mercenary. And if you play the oh. second game, yeah, you definitely, you definitely know who he is. <laughs> he is, he is he I is like big, that description, Justin. He's he is a big butthead. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Justin could not like keep it in. <laughs> butthead. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. <laughs> he's your leader. Um, and, and he's, he's always been a, uh, a, a uh, mercenary he's he's always been um private privately employed he's never actually been a part of the imc proper um if you're on the uh militia side you're led by uh, sarah who is also in the uh in the second game background is sort of uh she's someone who grew up on the frontier who lost her parents to an imc raid one of those times where the imc would show up on the frontier and be like hey we want all your resources we can either relocate you or kill you if you resist. One of those type of situations. And uh, Chang Bish Lork, who's a mercenary, but he has a little more scruples than the Apex Predators, so he's working with the militia. And their plan is to hack the power feeds in the turrets from the IMC, fueling stations to allow their uh, fleets to escape after they come in to refuel. If um, so, that's it's very similar to uh, zone control and destiny. If if, uh, if you guys ever played that, so um, you would go in, you would have one person like hack a terminal or hold a point, and you would basically just try to control that location uh, from enemies coming from either side. Um, now, no matter who wins, the militia suffer, suffers like very heavy casualties in the raid. If uh, the I, if uh, the militia wins, Blisk really complains that you didn't shoot down their ships. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> okay. as, as you as you escape um, on the militia side, also Sarah and Blisk argue as to whether or not the the losses were worth the refueling. So um, there's it, as you go through the first game, the, they're they're all multiplayer maps as we mentioned earlier. So there's like degrees of cannon, but they're all kind of like no matter what you do, no matter what. So the second mission is on the colony. So it's right after the events of the first mission. And the, IM- the IMC sends out probes to track the militia's locations. One of these probes uh, locates the previously unknown uh, to the IMC colony on Troy. Uh, Graves, who's the commander of the IMC, gives 
um, orders units under Bliss Command to the colony in search of the militia, figuring they had to have gone there. They only find civilians. So what Blisk decides to do, being the gem that he is, is just to start <laughs> killing civilians and wreaking havoc on the colony. Um, <laughs> to try Hearts and try. Minds. Yeah, he's he's just like, well, the intel says they had to be here, so I'm just going to kill people till they come out. Is uh, basically his uh, mo. That always ends up working. He's out just in your walking favor. around, knocking on doors, going Sarah Connor. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> And I want to say cannon. This is the uh, this is the first time Spectre units are deployed. So he's got like prototype uh, robot um, buddies to fight with him. Yeah, battle droids um. <laughs> that shoot like lasers at you. It's really now. Now, when you said uh, Graves, that is what was his rank at that point? Is it he's- lieutenant or colonel? Because it's a, uh, it's like Space Navy. So he's, he's a, uh, I want to say he's Vice Admiral and only actually in charge yeah. of this he's, quadrant of space. Uh, I thought was he not Forward Frontier Command? Like he had some kind yeah. of weird acronym title. It was, it was pretty much just Frontier Forward Command or something like that. Um, yeah, because he's a, he's a, I guess what would, what used to be like a Rear Admiral, Vice Admiral. Um, he, he's a. You know, he he's in charge of his school, so I'm thinking, like, battalion. He's in charge of his, like, larger group <laughs> uh, in that quadrant. And among among the group he's, he's got control of in this in this first um, iteration of Titanfall is um, James McCallan, who becomes a pretty important figure. Uh, that's actually in the past. Yes, yeah, it's... Titanfall. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, uh, so Talon's already before, broken from. Yeah. From IMC. he broke after the Titan Wars. I got you. I got you. So that kind of becomes more apparent in actually the next mission. But you're not. It, it's it's good you bring it up now, just to kind of a uh, level out the story of the character here. But yeah, um, James McCallan, who comes becomes a uh, a more important player later in the story, uh, used to be under his command. Did he switch sides? McCallan ends up defecting, but he'll eventually switch sides to the militia. Like he ends up Yay. just kind of going AWOL. But yeah. Um so um the colony sends out a distress signal because Blisk is just kind of like murdering people indiscriminately. So butthead, yeah, got it. Yeah, super butthead. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the the militia come running. So it's um, this is an attrition type game um, type mission, which in Titanfall attrition is really really cool if you ask me. So you have uh, player characters, you have six v six, which isn't unlike uh, a lot of game modes in Destiny right now, six v six. But you each have AI units who are on your side, so there can be up to like fifty units you know, on the map at any given time. Okay. It sounds like it can be a little chaosy, but the AI is not too too smart. But um, it's a uh, it's really fun. You're re- you uh, you get you get points for killing AI units. You get more points for killing players, and even more if you take down their Titan. Oh, okay, I, I've yes. played that one. It, yeah, yeah. It's it's not unlike uh, Warzone firefight in Halo Five. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and I, yeah. you've got you've got some AI units, you've got some um, real player units. Um, if you're like my son, you just run around killing specters. <laughs> the <whole time. laughs> has he tried hacking them? No, no, I don't think he has. Is that with the knife? Yeah, yeah. So when you run up on a specter in attrition, if you just hold melee when you're behind them, he'll stick the knife in the back, but he'll like hack them like he does in the campaign mode. And you'll actually, uh-huh. in the campaign mode, you only get one. But in, like, multiplayer, you'll get the whole group of them. They're on your team now. Ooh. That's cool. Friend yeah. punch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. Uh, so, so in uh, the next mission, is that where we're at? The uh, the final mission or the... Uh, where we're... we're, we're almost there i was going to finish out this one real quick because no matter who you choose um this is the mission you actually first get message from james mccallan as the militia ends up calling him who uh he basically like yells at you no matter whether you're militia or imc for like wrecking up the frontier that sounds reasonable yeah so james mccallan is a highly decorated soldier in the the Titan War, as you find out now, is placed about 20 years before the events of Titanfall 1. Um, good friend of uh, Vice Admiral Graves. Um, and he led the mutiny above um, the flagship of the IMC called the Odyssey uh, at the end of the uh, Titan Wars conflict. So he, um, he could have gotten put down by Graves at this time, but Graves kind of like let him go escape with his own people and he escaped with the odyssey and graves isn't sure what happened but in if you're on the imc side you interact with spyglass who we mentioned earlier and spyglass kind of like takes command of these specters that blisk has brought with you and and he's not having any of uh, a sass (laughs) on the battlefield (laughs) So the where am I here? All right. When the battle concludes, no matter no matter who wins, um, McCallan reveals that most of the calling citizens are actually on board the Odyssey, that flagship that uh, at the end of the Titan Wars, and they haven't really been uh, killed by the uh, the fighting, or at least for the most part. Um, he also includes that he'll be throwing in with the militia, and then he bugs out with all the people. So depending on if you won if you won or lost in either case, um of the map like bug out like you won. <laughs> it's kind of like an interesting part of the hmm. part of the campaign. So even if you lost the people still get away no matter what. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like the, this story event happens regardless of the outcome of the mission. Okay. So that's the like all the basic mission story for Titanfall One. Oh no! Okay, <laughs> it's not too much more. I'll try to be quick. No, 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 um, no worries. Just, just trying to understand because it since it was an entirely multiplayer game, it feels very weird to have this much story in it. Well, there's so there's six missions, and I, I ended up having to do like some. Uh, so when I when I first picked up Titanfall two, it was actually free. Titanfall one was actually free on Origin, 
mm-hmm. if you if you had an origin account. So I, I picked it up and I and I went through as well as I could the uh, the story missions. There, admittedly, there's there's actually one I never got to play in person. Between going online and there's actually a a Titanfall story subreddit called Titanfall Story. Uh, between that, I, I, I've sort of been able to piece together the. Uh, the different things that, that happen within the missions. Um, most of it does come from the in-game text, but if you're actually playing in-game, as Blue was saying earlier, it's really like hard to follow. It might as well not be happening. Right. Okay. Ooh. I'm just glad that I wasn't the only one who felt that way. <laughs> yeah, there's there, there's whole like IGN articles and whole things that were uh, trying to lead people into uh, Titanfall 2, trying to explain the, tour, the, uh, the story to them. And like the... The majority of the comments are from Titanfall One players, just being like, "Oh man, I had no idea." <laughs> <laughs> there was a story. To this. <laughs> so that was that was fun. So the um, math of uh, of that mission, McAllen has officially joined the militia, and the first thing he's first thing he does is to um, encourage them to go the Odyssey. And the Odyssey is a sort of partially wrecked. That that's that flagship that was just previously mentioned, and which now the Data Core has info on an IMC stronghold in Demeter, which Demeter ends up getting mentioned in Titanfall Two as like a sort of a turning point battle. Or which side really wins this next battle? There's not as much lead up. Um, the uh, the militia ends up finding the data. Um. And they're basically building a war chest. Is uh, They're sort of collecting all the little data and strategy they need to attack this IMC facility on Demeter because they know it's an important manufacturing facility. Besides of this mission, there's not too much depth in dialogue. Uh, you meet the same characters on both sides of the previous mission, and they have as, as much to say as they did before. It's like, oh, man, we need to stop these guys. Like, oh, yeah, stop these guys. It's not very informative. <laughs> um the next battle is called uh get baker and if you're <laughs> yeah if you're familiar with the angel the angel city elite or even just the campaign mode he is everyone's favorite drunk <laughs> okay i love it when they just drag him he's <laughs> just like come on no ba- baker is um he's sort of like a like a wonderkin kind of a kind of pilot. Okay. Okay. If it's life on the frontier or like what's getting to him, the dude is just always at the bottom of a barrel of moonshine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, and that's he, where he is when you encounter him in game. Yeah, <laughs> and he, wait, he's, is he he's like, drunk. he's, he's fighting with you drunk or like directing the mission drunk. Uh, he's you're trying to extract him. <laughs> yeah, in, oh. in this mission, you're trying to extract him, and he is completely tanked. Awesome. <laughs> Dragging a, your drunk uh, uncle around. That sounds awesome. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, it's, a, it's another attrition-style battle. Um, and this is uh, where Vice Admiral Graves sends um, Blisk and this other guy who you don't really meet beyond this mission, Captain Bracken. Um, and he actually dies in this mission too. Through the match, the uh, IMC carrier Sentinel warps in and attention shifts 
to uh, sort of that part of the map. And the militia are instructed to attack the IMC and are instructed, and the IMC are instructed to defend the the Sentinel. That becomes sort of like the focal control point of the mission at that point. Um, the but either way, the Sentinel is not like brought down. Uh, no matter which side you're playing on in that mission, that battle plays out. But you you end up extracting Barker or Baker, and uh, you. <laughs> As Justin said, you kind of like end up dragging him out, and he uh, he becomes um, the next sort of a chess piece to your uh, militia. Um, the next mission is an assault on the IMC flagship, the Sentinel, and that it'll be pulling up for repairs. And he's really keen on taking it down, so he hatches a plan um, to misdirect the IMC with a derelict ship. But Blisk, being sort of the uh, warhound that he is, decides to uh, not bite at that and stays back. So you kind of have this uh, attrition en- engagement. Um, uh, it's it's also kind of like Last Titan standing the way it, the way it plays out, in my opinion. But uh, that's sort of an ineffectual mission. Um, the next mission is mostly. And uh, Base Golden. This facility was on a planet with hostile wildlife, and it uses a repulsor tower to uh, repel the uh, the animals. And this is just another sort of you're trying to build a war chest, so you're weakening each position of the IMC to where you can get to the meter, and they can't really repel your attack at that point because they're spread too thin. And it's uh, actually hacking here. Um, the Repulsar Wave is a feature of all IMC facilities that they uh, set up on these planets in the frontier. So McAllen sends the militia to occupy the base and obtain the data that would allow them to shut down and overload the Repulsar Towers, uh, which will come in, come in super effectual later. The uh, Blisk and the IMC sort of uh, picked up on that's what their plan was. And they send a team to uh, Golden also. So the two teams meet up and all heck breaks loose and a battle ensues. This is a hard point match. And in a hard point match um, is sort of like, I guess, zone control. I think I mentioned that earlier. Uh, you're trying to control certain, I think, three points of the map. And as you get amped with the hard points, you end up occurring more points over time. Um, and it plays out the same no matter who wins. Um, Bish sends the overload codes to the tower you've been fighting to see if they work, and they do. Um, if you're on the IMC side, the core goes critical, but it's because Blisk did it to be, I don't know, like a jerk. As he is wont to do. <laughs> Justin. I was waiting for the Justin weigh-in. <laughs> oh, no, Blisk. Blisk, yeah, Blisk is your your number one Apex South African jerk. He's like every bad guy in District 9. Oh, oh God, that makes is. more sense. That makes yeah. so he much sense. A guy in District 9 just cobbled into one person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is going to be like the sort of Apex... Uh, turning point in the first Titanfall game. Um, the IMC Stronghold is the supplier for the IMC in the region. So this is their fueling depot, their manufacturing depot. It's their like single largest um, supply base. And it's an all-out major battle on the frontier. 
launch aside, you go in via dropship, but the IMC's uh, automatic anti-air guns kind of like shoot you down out of the sky. Heavy casualties on 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 your side trying to go in. So when your pilot comes to, you're sort of uh, you're behind enemy lines, classic pilot pilot position. And you're trying to make the best of the situation. So you might have like some sporadic uh, back you up, but you're really just just you're you're at this crash site. You have a lot of automated uh, artillery against you, and you're trying to make the best of it. But um, through all of this, it's actually the opening uh, talk of this mission. Uh, McAllen sort of comes up in his Titan. And he lays out the plan, and uh, it's, actually, it's a pretty rousing speech. Um, the militia is going to overload the reactor cores by shutting down the cooling vents. Um, and that by you do that with the codes that were collected in the, uh, in the earlier mission. Um, and this is another hard point control map. So the militia are trying to overload the cores, and the IMC is trying to stop them from, uh, from shutting them down. And on the militia side, Sarah and Bish get worried about the pace of things on the ground, and Bish, Bish suggests that the cores would have to be overloaded manually, adding that even a Titan, even in a Titan, the pilot wouldn't be protected from the radiation. Like, he'd just be burdened with way too many rads. Um, so regardless of who wins, uh, McAllen um, shows up at the uh, focal point of the map and reaches the core disk sort of gets the drop on him and but he's called off by graves at like the last second so he's mccallan's going in for the core uh blisk has the drop on him and then he's called off from taking the shot by vice admiral uh graves due to his uh proximity to the core like he could overload it and just kill everything McAllen pleads with Graves to leave the IMC. It reminds him of the aftermath of the Titan War. And it kind of suggests that Graves uh, turned a blind eye and allowed McAllen to make off with the Odyssey in the first place when he ran his mutiny. But as the reactor overloads, both McAllen and Spy Class override their respective codes. So, Justin, do you remember the end of this mission? What happened with this guy? Oh, sorry, I was muted. Um... So yeah, the the end of this mission, just like Taylor was saying, you're you're overloading this core, and um, James McAllen actually is the one who goes in and does it. He kind of pleads with uh, Admiral Graves to kind of pick up his mantle as as he's you know about to bite the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I can remember, everyone just kind of bugs out from there and it just kind of leaves everything kind of open and sets the table a little bit for the conflicts to come in Titanfall 2. I might have completely butchered that. Okay. That that's how I remember it. I played this mission once and it was before I had any context. Kind of like Blue was saying, you played it and you were like, wait, this seemed important. <laughs> yeah, he dies oh. and it's like Someone, someone important just died. I don't know who, but it doesn't or seem why. to affect anything on the battlefield other than oh, oh, it's time to go get to your dropship. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was my memory of this mission. Ooh, sorry about that, guys. Where, where did you lose me? 
Uh, no right worries. as the React, you were talking about Mac and Spyglass overriding their respective codes. Oh yeah, so it it, it goes up. McAllen uh, McAllen basically sacrifices himself to uh to to destroy the uh, the Demeter facility. Or if you're on the militia side, it's because Spyglass sort of overloads it while McAllen is there trying to do it. And then what uh, what happens from there is uh, Spyglass orders all of his forces to actually go deeper into the frontier as opposed to, like, back toward the core systems. Huh. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a really odd move. Um, and it, it's really interesting because subsequently after the mission, Graves ends up uh, defecting in McAllen's place. He sort of gets convinced by uh, McAllen's death move. So Spyglass gets... Uh, the IMC in that region of space. So his choice to go like deeper into enemy lines is like really odd. It doesn't seem like the, uh, the wise, the wisest choice, but it effectively cuts them off from the, uh, the inner systems. And it allows the, I am, or the, the militia. And they now control about 25% of the frontier. So they're like an established like force now. Okay, so do they literally kind of in some ways go rogue by detaching from the main corporation? Or is the main corporation just this floating city now? Well, so the the main IMC is sort of this... I, I, I mean, it, by all... By all uh, accounts, I would say that they're centralized back in the core system, which would be like our solar system. Mm-hmm. Um, based on when they developed, because uh, that, that's where they were founded all the way back when they were uh, Hammond Engineering. So over that 200 years where they sort of evolved from Hammond Engineering to the, uh, the IMC, um, they're just sort of this like sprawling network corporation that, that kind of has their fingers in all the sinister soups. Sinister soups. Giant conglomerate. <laughs> yeah. is, it, is it sweet and sour soup? Yeah. I'm just gonna stop. I'm gonna stop before I go too far. It's sinister. Uh, yeah, they're they're um they they have their hands in everything. Um at least in all the pertinent developments of the game. Um their subsidiaries, uh what what used to be Hammond Engineering is now a subsidiary of the IMC called Hammond Robotics, and they're actually who, if you're in multiplayer and you want to watch a little video that explains the uh, the perks of a specific Titan in Titanfall Two, Hammond Robotics is who like selling video for you. Those things are freaking awesome, by the way. Yeah. Like the way the the uh, the degree to which they they worked really hard to make it like actually a promotional video that's selling <laughs> the thing. I remember the, uh, like the very first mission in like Titanfall, at least, where you're like in quote unquote pilot training. And they're like, you should do the, and, you know, like you're walking, what I think it's like, you're walking down the hall or something. And it's like, they're explaining everything. It was just like that. It was just like this whole, like, you can totally see this being an actual facility where people are being kind of not necessarily indoctrinated, but being trained and being like pushed into this like position of this is what you should want to do. And this is, this is, this is the best choice for you because blah, blah, blah. It was like, I, I love that level of ingrain ingrainment. Mm, no, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. It reminded me, uh, 
when I first experienced it, uh, a lot of the Assassin's Creed games. Yes. Which is sort of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which makes sense. Another Ubisoft. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only in, in-game promos I think that are better are the Vault Tech ones from Fallout. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, yeah i mean bioshock has some pretty good ones oh I've, I, yeah I've, I've missed those bioshock is just simply because the humor but yeah fallout fallout vault tech is just again the dark the dystopian humor is amazing but yeah like i mean just the level to which they did those little snippets to me is just i love i love stuff like that like that 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 degree of um, of putting the flavor, like the presentation of the flavor text in the eyes of an inhabitant of the universe really to me helps ingrain the player in, in that, you know, in that world. So I, I, I do, I do remember those, even though I never watched like more than like two of them, I was like, Oh, this is, I don't really care. But like when I saw it, I was like, "This is this is a really cl- if if I did care about this stuff, this would be really <laughs> cool." Like, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm the, I'm the type of person that when I play multiplayer one, like I, I got some grief, uh, I had some grief over in chat because I was like, "Yeah, I like the smart pistol because it's a cool uh-huh. concept." I think that is concept awesome is concept. It, it's an amazing concept. Uh, and I got, they're like, oh, you're one of those people. I'm like, well, to be fair, oh, no. to be Poor fair, I was, I'm, it's the only gun I had equipped. I didn't buy anything because yeah. it's, it's like, what is it? Uh, doesn't call of duty have a similar, like you have to, you have to buy weapons to, to upgrade your loadouts or whatever. As far oh, as you can I know, just you can look at people in Call of Duty and they're dead, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, did it? Blue, did it? Did Pluto, it? Pluto in chat. <laughs> it's a jerk weapon. <laughs> I think the the concept, though. Okay, let me just the concept of the smart pistol to me is just is fascinating because yeah. it, it reminds me a lot of um uh the um uh, the Fifth Element. Or the the gun that Gary Oldman's character, oh, yeah. the smart bullets, the, the, the smart bullets, oh, those are cool, right? That's but the I mean, myth class yeah, the, prototype, the myth, the myth of class prototype, right? Yeah, the but I mean, like oh. it's totally that gun, like the the way that well, they it, the way they link the the heads up display with the per, like the eight the base AI and the the pistol, and then program the bullets to actually track. I'm like this. That's just to me. That's just fascinating i think i think the way it crops up in the campaign of the of the second game titanfall 2 like the the way the smart really have a uh you know spoiler alert we'll be going over this later so i don't feel too bad but it's a uh you'll have the titan core right there right next to your pistol so you're still uplinked with the titan core but the titan core is only exists in your hand now it's not like in a titan body so it's using all its processing power to help you aim Oh, it's kind of like okay. how I, yeah. It's kind of how I like uh, I mash that together in my head cannon there. So yeah, I just that to me that was like the coolest gun, even though it was in in like in one v one multiplayers, it was like the most ineffective weapon because <laughs> you had to hit them like fifty times to actually. Oh well, yeah, yeah. That's that's the trade off. Right. No. Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't have to be looking at you, but I have to hit you like twenty five times in the head to 
to actually kill you. Um, Speaking of those uh, Hammond Robotics uh, videos, did, didn't it remind you? I don't know if you've seen it of uh, like Starship Troopers. Like, would you like yes. to know more? Yeah. Like, click at the end. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, awesome. actually, and Justin, Justin, I know is going to pick up on this one. I, I totally get a Starship Trooper esque vibe with the way the motion of the the mobility in Titanfall oh, jump kits, the jump yeah, kits. Jump. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally sure. get that. That's the like the feel I get for those, even though they're also, not they're not jump kits, but they kind of remind me of that. Also, I when I see the USS James McAllen, I get a very Roger Young feel mm, from mm. it. From I I don't know why. I just feel like there's probably a special elite group of people on that ship <laughs> who really, really identify with that name and probably say some sort of poem before they go kill people. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah, the only difference is it's not a bug hunt, man. It's not um, a bug Well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. okay, so that, that brought us to the end of Titanfall, right? So Yeah, that's that's the end of the first game. So Which which let me uh let me ask this real quick. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt you. Please. No, 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 go for so it. So we we had we had the Titan Wars that preceded yeah. Titanfall one. About and then, 20 years. Yeah, about 20 years before Titanfall 1. The events of Titanfall 1, were those prior to the Frontier War proper, or or are they included in that? I'd say, like, at this point, the Frontier War should be kind of looked at. You know how, like, they have uh, the in, – in world history, I guess in our case as Americans, you might have, like, the, the English, like, 100 Years War or, like, the 30 Years War? Mm-hmm. Or it's kind of like this continuing sporadic conflict. As opposed to uh, like one grand event like World War Two, yeah, yeah, more so guerrilla base fighting. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know if um, if it was widely believed that the Battle of Demeter was the beginning point of the Frontier War, or if we're including these um, military actions in Titanfall One in there too. I. I think at least in in my head canon, based on like what what I've been able to gather, I would definitely say that if you're referring to the frontier wars it would only include like the titan wars through the events of titanfall one and titanfall two and probably extending to whatever future uh content they release war without end i got you pretty much uh, yeah constant struggle war never changes (laughs) (laughs) i love it man um just yeah no go ahead really quick like the um, Titanfall 1 plays a little differently than Titanfall 2. So in Titanfall 1, you had only three types of Titans. Um, but they were... So, like, whereas you could choose, like, and if you're familiar with Titanfall 2, like, you can pick your pilot's weapon. In Titanfall 1, you could completely customize your loadout of your Titan. Mm-hmm. So you only had three types. So you had the uh, the Atlas, which is the first Titan developed by Hammond. Um, that's sort of your jack of all trades, and it makes sense as being like the first one that's that's been developed. Um, you have the Ogre, which is your sort of like heavier, uh, very boots on the ground, uh, slower, more heavily armored uh, Titan. 
strider. So strider is a lot more bare bones. Um, I think they're more easily identifiable because they lack the, uh, the extra armoring on their arms and legs. It just kind of focuses on that sort of center chassis where the pilot sits on the Titan. Um, and there for your, like your super quick movements, but obviously at the cost of, uh, of hit points and defense, but, uh, that those are, those are the three major types and actually all six Titans in uh, Titanfall two will be based off of those, uh, sort of like subtypes, subclasses. Okay. So with the, the Titans themselves, I mean, they branch out, you said into the six different types like Ronan and torch and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, is there like a direct descendants type and yeah. is there like a reason for it to be developed like that in the second game? In the second game, uh, this is outside of lore. They were going from much more of a uh, sort of a balanced subtype. So uh, they've instead of uh, you can customize like its weapon and different loadout. They gave you mm -hmm. specific loadouts of each Titan type. So they're all locked in. That's why you have uh, twice as many, I feel like. Okay. Um, well, you have uh, generally two Titans are based on each chassis. So based on like the Atlas, you have the Ion and Tone. Based on the Ogre, you have the uh, Scorch and Legion. And then based on the Strider, you have the Ronin and the North Star. Always hear about the uh, how some of the different titans are considered like smurfs i guess it's, it's not necessarily a technical term but just weak like not a lot of people play them oh yeah things yeah. that everybody plays all right i'm yeah. back yeah there you are Ooh, did i cut off uh we were talking about the breakouts of the different types and Titanfall 2, and you had just finished, I think you just finished the whole list of, you went past the Ogre breakdown into, uh, uh, gosh, now I can't remember what Strider. you said. Yeah. Strider. Oh yeah. So they're, they're, they're all, they're all kind of broken down of, uh, of those three sort of archetypes. And, uh, it's much more kind of have like a, like an Overwatch feel, um, Whereas you have like sort of defined uh, mechanics within each Titan as opposed to like customizable options. Are they as crucial as, as far as team play as it is in Overwatch where you have somebody who is literally just your tank or and your defender type or whatnot? More in uh, specific game modes. So like Last Titan Standing or Titan Ball. I would say that's much more uh, apparent and you find people like sort of switching around for different team builds and game modes like attrition where you start out as a pilot. Um, I feel like it's a lot more plug and play. You'll just kind of have like a mishmash of everything in each game type. Okay. If that makes sense. <laughs> getting, getting people to pay attention to team comp is hard enough as it is. <laughs> In any, in any game. Um, <laughs> and you're, you're forgetting that the best one is the Ronin. <laughs> the Ronin, yeah. The Ronin is based on the uh, on the uh, the Strider, and he is a big sword bro. Yes, just a, a samurai robot. 
I kind of view him as Cloud from Final Fantasy VII if he were oh. a giant robot I could ride on. That is a pretty big breaker <laughs> sword. So, I mean, eh, that's probably not a bad one. Different <laughs> um, uh, Titans in Titanfall 2 now, or do you want to do it like after we do the Titanfall 2 story? Yeah, let's summarize the story. And um, then we can kind of talk odds and ends of of uh, the tech at the end. So basically, when we when we jump in to Titanfall two, we kind of jump into this um, this noob um, Jack Cooper, kind of mm-hmm. being mentored by uh, Captain Lastimosa. Um, who is a grizzled um, veteran, a, uh, a mm-hmm. pilot extraordinaire with his trusty Vanguard class Titan BT-7247. And uh, you're actually going through the early stages of your pilot training, which even that at that early stage is already on an accelerated time frame. Like he's showing you stuff. I think he doesn't he mention he's showing you stuff he he wouldn't normally be showing you this soon. He didn't um, have a he didn't have approval to uh, to train you just yet. He was waiting on it, and he uh, kind of decides that uh, that he's going to go ahead and do it with you. Yeah, so he's already um, jumping the gun and training you. But during your um, you know your training, when you're simulating a, uh, the link with your Titan, um, the ship that you're on the USS James McAllen mm-hmm. is actually attacked It's it's attacked and your training session gets cut short and you're thrown into the thick of it on what planet is that in the first one? Is it Typhon or is it Demeter? It's uh, it's Typhon. Uh, Demeter, okay. Demeter was the, uh, the turning point battle of the, uh, of the, okay. Last. So you're, we're already past Demeter at this, at this stage of the, yeah, so like at, at this at this point in the story, uh, the militia controls about like uh, I think as we covered a little while ago, like a quarter of the frontier, joining up like left and right from the frontier to uh, to help the cause. So their their forces have really grown dramatically, and uh, the the militia are kind of like an interesting group. I I don't know if I, I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but like they're sort of like a mishmash of like frontiersmen uh criminals and pirates like they're 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 like a really interesting group like you kind of have like all ends of the uh the D spectrum there nice that sounds like the perfect recipe for disaster so don't get too excited blue because this will end in tears um yeah that that's you... what i just said <laughs> Um, maybe that's what you want, but <laughs> y- you actually, you actually, um, drop on the, the surface of Ty- Typhon, um, and engage, uh, I mean, these, these aren't IMC regular forces. These are mercenaries known as apex predators, which I guess are they considered, um, are they more like mercs at this well, point got, or, got, or are they, both. yeah. I would say I would say Apex Predators. If uh, if you need a modern equivalent, think like Blackwater. Okay. Like yeah. They they sort of work closely with the uh, with with the IMC, but they're not they're not directly related to them. 
Yeah, Blisk James McCallum was completely does, shot down. Yeah, Sorry. Blisk Blisk uh, actually mentions I think in that scene where where Lastimosa gets you know gets Bamboozle. ganged up on. Yeah, he gets gang ganged up on. It's not fair. <laughs> um, but uh, in that scene, I think it's actually Kane or one of the other Apex Predators wants to like play with the body or you know oh, and, and Blisk is like yeah Blisk is like oh no we've got we've got work to do we've got to do a job we've been hired to do this and we're going to do it um so yeah i think you're right there the blackwater comparison i think is is probably spot on yeah so um when 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 you're coming in um as as you land in that mission uh so the james mccallan is like completely cut to pieces you're on a skate pod uh when when the mission begins and you come down um through like uh, along with the wreckage of the ship and you are completely surrounded like the typhon is a completely imc controlled controlled planet so jack um and it's it's actually really interesting at this point after the when you're in the vr you kind of had like pilot abilities at this point in the mission, like you don't have any of that. So like you can't double jump, you can't like slide, you can't really wall run, you don't have your jump pack, you you can't do any of the cool stuff. Yeah, don't so have a grenade. <laughs> play this like on higher levels, like this part of the, the story can be really difficult, especially on master. Like it's like you're trying to make it through, but you like there's nothing that makes you special from any other grunt on the field. One of, the, one of the parts, this is where I first noticed it. One of the parts of this game I thought was like really, really cool is, uh, at least from the militia side, Melanius NPC has their own individual name. So like you drop on the ground, there's like PFC Johnson over there and uh, who, who like lights up on your screen with his name. And if as, as you're like, uh, as you're running to the left to try and make it away from a Titan fire, there's the... It's really cool. They're all individually named. Um, you can see some of them show up later in different parts of the story. Like it, it's really cool, and I found it to be like uh, sort of one of those little micro details that makes things more immersive. Yeah, because that, based that on your does, performance yeah. in earlier missions, it can affect like who shows up in later missions, and uh, it, they don't even cool. show up as like effectual people. That's awesome. So would you, if you were to go back over and start a new game, it would literally change what showed up later or? As far as I know, like, I I don't know if it's planned or if it's specifically affected by your performance, but I definitely noticed like the same names cropping up and like Lastimosta, um, he's, uh, that, that's the name of one of the, uh, one of the devs. So -hmm. like, they all have like those like little real world connections. So there may be a bit of that like involved. But like PFC Johnson, like you'll see him like a couple missions later. Okay, like that's kind of cool. Like, yeah, it was but actually. You're not, I, you're not seeing Lastimosa later, though. Oh, spoiler! We're not. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, Lastimosa. Lastimosa gets totally bamboozled. Like uh, he he's fighting he's fighting one Titan as you're kind of hurt, and when you meet up with him. He's like out of his Titan. He pulls you aside. He's like, all right. He goes back in BT 
and he's trying to fight. He's fighting a cane. That that that's the scorch guy you see like facing him. Mm-hmm. And then Richter comes up right up behind him, and we'll introduce all these names uh, as the story goes on. If you're not familiar with who I'm talking about. But like another one of the apex predators, Richter comes up like right behind him, and they just start like breaking down BT and uh, and shooting up his uh, uh shooting up the cockpit there. So it's a uh, yeah, he's he's totally bamboozled. He's getting shot from either side. He's got nowhere to run. It's it's a totally bad situation, and uh, Lastimosa definitely feels the effects of that. Aww. From what uh, Charmed is saying in chat, Kane does not sound like a good guy at all. Sounds like no. a- oh. like he's got some issues. Yeah, he laughs like a weirdo, and he's got a chili bowl. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Which I had a chili bowl, and that was completely okay when I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> he just Justin gave- has gone past psychopath. Yeah, Is that what? Is Not that what right. it was required? Like, because he was saying that Kane collects ears. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. It's like yeah, chili he's... bowl equals psychopath, and Justin has grown out of that. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've moved past that. I found another way. Yay, growth! <laughs> we all grow and learn. <laughs> so it's at this point in the game after poor Lastimosa. We we actually get knocked out, and then um, we wake up with some weird space creatures trying to eat us. And who saves us but Lastimosa in BT? He he mows them down. And this is the point at which we we find out that we are going to be a pilot now, with uh, little to no training. Little, little ahead. Oh, too far. <laughs> by like minutes in terms of like you're right in the right area um so like it's uh we're we're woken up by by lastimosa after we've been kind of like shot up as we get down to this i I think it's by like a like a troop uh transport like you see in the multiplayer one of those sort of like uh Mm -hmm. like uh things that like come down to the ground like troops walk out you can kind of blow back at that and lastimosa like pulls you it looks it's all from first person perspective, so I can't really see. You can't really see like what you're being dragged into, but it just kind of looks like a, your general, like sort of, a, kind of in the middle or wreckage at that point. Yeah. So this is the point at which you're you're kind of a spectator and you're just laying there, and you you get to see Lastimosa get you know just blown to bits and in BT and he he falls and then. Um, you actually witness um, you're mistaken for dead and you witness a little exchange between Blisk and Kane and I guess Richter and, um, at, you know, and I think Kane actually wants to like collect a trophy from Lastimosa, I believe I, I might be wrong on that. And um, Hey, what's up Tim? And, and basically Blisk tells him we've got a job to do. Um, we've got a, you know, got to bug out. Wants to collect a trophy. That's disturbing. Yeah, he's. Well, if you ever, if you ever heard him talk, you'd be like, "Yeah, this is a complete weirdo." Where, uh, where were you, Justin? Sorry. I yeah, I was right at the point where um, Lastimosa has fallen, and we're kind of just like laying, playing possum, and 
Blisk and Kane, and everyone's just kind of having a conversation in front of you. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's Richter, and it's one of my favorite lines from Blisk. Richter's like is doing like an old like a uh, Vietnam sort of like cutting off ears. Yeah, okay, it's Richter, not not Kane. Oh, and he's okay. uh, he's putting them, he's putting them, uh, he's like collecting them. And Richter kind of like hops out of his, or uh, I'm sorry, Bliss kind of hops out of his Titan, and he kind of it, it's one of my favorite lines. Is like, oi, Richter. <laughs> come on <laughs> like uh, yeah like what are you doing <laughs> yeah we got a job to do we can't be mucking about <laughs> exactly. mucking um, about so you uh you as jack cooper kind of pass out again after that and you know lucky for you um when you wake up the second time you have some of those feral beasts justin was talking about uh picking at your leg and they're picking at your leg. You're kind of like slowly coming to. Things are looking bad. And uh, BT kind of like shoots them out for you with his last uh, bit of the, the last bit of energy he can really like expend without um, failing his core systems. I guess is like the best way to put it. Go up and talk to him. He, you need to, like, he lets you know that you need to like recharge him. And he sends you to the store for batteries. And headlight fluid. <laughs> headlight fluid, yes. Um, and you actually get um, authorization to be a pilot at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You you go all over the map and, um, and uh, collect batteries and come back and put them in BT. And then he scans for other batteries that are viable. And you... You know, you go get those and bring them back. And then finally, finally, the thing you've been waiting for the whole time since you first popped the game in happens. You're actually going to get in a giant robot and shoot the mans. Oh, yeah. It's and there's the some cool fun. there's some cool dialogue in between there of, you know, that's IMC saying surrender and you won't be harmed. And then BT saying, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're lying and. You know, there's there's some some cool back and forth, but um, there's some cool times too. Like in in the middle of that, you kind of get some uh, some allusions to uh, the most recent DLC. Like uh, you have the um, I think as you bring like the second battery back, you have those uh, IMC grunts being like, "Oh man, it's a Vanguard class Titan! Like we can get a like we can get a promotion or like a lot of money for this." Um, because the at, at that point in the story, the IMC has no idea about the the systems um of the vanguard class it's it's completely removed i never listened to those guys i just cloaked and went over and shotgunned them (laughs) i always did the uh i always did the thing where if uh if you like circle out far like to the left because when you first come on them they're like just kind of from your point of view to the right of bt if you circle out all from the other one, when you start shooting at them, I don't know if it's like a, because of a programming thing, they like turn back to where you were. Oh, nice. Part of the map, yeah. It was the funniest thing to me. So he's like, prip, prip, and then like, they turn their backs to you. Like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Easy mode. It kind of. Um, but so after, yeah, after you reinitialize, uh, BT with all three batteries that you collect from the, uh, wreckage of the James McCallan 
and he sort of updates you on the mission. So because he's now relationized uh, to Jack Cooper, the mission and protocols that uh, Captain uh, Ty Lastimosa have now transfer to him. So his current orders at this point in the story are to meet up with uh, Anderson, uh, Major Anderson, who's actually in, in the very first mission, he, you can get a, an achievement for beating his time on the gauntlet, which was that VR sort of place. Um, last of most took you to, to sort of test out your abilities in that first opening uh, like training portion of the game. Um, uh, yeah, you get a trophy for beating him. You get another one for being on the top three on that list, which I have yet to do myself. Oh, yeah. Me neither. Good company, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So um, it, it it now shifts to you. So your primary uh, mission now it, it's kind of like a uh, like a field promotion, military at all. Or you've heard it in like a movie or something like that. It's like an on the spot. Like all right, you're now a pilot. Like this is what we're doing. Let's go do it. Um, Justin, go. So at this point you you move to to rendezvous which which is the next which you know this is one of the parts where the where BT actually reaffirms your uh your mission parameters or whatever um or your your priorities one of which that is quite paramount is fulfill the mission which is to rendezvous with and lord who are we rendezvousing with is it is it Graves? I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah, I'm uh-huh. trying for the life of me to remember. We we have to rendezvous with a high a high ranking militia leader, um, and kind of consolidate there, and then we push forward. Who was that we rendezvoused with? I'm trying to remember. So bad with names. Mm-hmm. Um. Taylor, who who were we after we are able to actually link up with BT there, and and we get on the move and kind of you know pushing towards our mission parameters again. Who who's the uh, commander we we uh, rendezvous with? Is it Graves? It's uh it's Anderson. So the the yes. first guy you're looking for is uh is Anderson, and and that's sort of the uh, the primary part of the uh, first part of the story. You're searching way through um, that. That's what um, Last Amos's mission would have been. But as you make your way through the sort of like outskirts of this uh, facility that you guys were trying to storm at the beginning of the game, um, you actually run into Kane. Um, and where is, where is my Kane? Kane is an Apex Predator, uh, Apex Predator member, and uh, BT comments as he looks up his file like known drug user. Uh, kind of sounds like a tweaker in, in the the classic <laughs> sense, if yes. that makes sense. He's kind of like he seems like one of those guys that has like a, like a shoulder twitch. Yeah, to take it back to uh, the Fifth Element, he reminds me of Corbin Dallas's neighbor. Yes, <laughs> if, if you remember him at all, <laughs> just smoke you. And he just draxed, but yes, <laughs> just complete tweaker. So as you make your way through the facility, and that kind of introduces you to the, uh, this part of the campaign introduces you to the, uh, the sort of like wall striding mechanics that we, that we talked about earlier. 
Um, and through IMC personnel, Kane kind of decides to challenge you himself. He shows up with a couple of uh, brute-type um, titans. They're, they're sort of like, a, like an Atlas chassis, and they have, um, they have rocket salvos. They have a machine gun as their main armament. They're not a titan that you'll get in multiplayer. Well, not strictly as they end up playing in this part of the game. But uh, he, he shows up, basically him and two sort of like sub-plebe titans show up to fight you real quick. Um, you dispatch them easily because he's a tweaker and brutes suck. But uh, <laughs> um, after, after Jack does that, he, uh, he goes um, to the sort of wreckage of where Kane was and he removes his radio unit from his helmet. So now uh, Jack and BT have access to the Apex Predators communications, but the Apex Predators aren't aware of this yet. Like, I don't even think they know that Kane is dead at this point. Oh, oh yeah, they cool. actually they actually talk about it, too. They're like, oh, he's probably screwing around. Or <laughs> So you literally just get kind of an easy in to hear all their plans and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's actually it's pretty clever the way they do it because they're very good about not breaking that radio silence that they have on their side, and the whole time as they're making their way through, um, especially the next the next part of the game, it's it's really funny because the next part of the game I think is where you're dealing with uh, with Ash, that sort of manufacturing plant mm-hmm. that uh, that Justin was talking about earlier, and she'll talk to Blisk but she'll also talk to you through like the PA. So like you get the one side of the conversation and then you get the other side. That's kind of hilarious actually. (laughs) It's pretty good. Kind of like if Gladys was talking crap behind our backs, if Gladys were so tactful to do something like that, GLaDOS or whatever from Portal. It's it's actually really funny that you mentioned that. Um, I'll get into it more here in a sec, but Ash is, uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Simulacrum. So Mm -hmm. the idea, uh, she's completely wired into that facility. So she exists both as the the robot who's piloting a Titan that you have to face later, uh, as well as like the AI that's in charge of the whole facility's operations while you're going through it. Okay. So she is a Gladys type, archetype almost, without being potato nuts. Uh, she might be a little potato nuts, but yeah. Okay, so we get the the basically the earpiece from Kane. How does that affect the mission the next uh, series of missions? So um once once you get the uh, radio unit, your um it sort of gives you the layout as to where they'll be coming at to you as you proceed into the facility with BT. And in the next part of the story, as you make your way uh, into the facility, BT suggests you activate a platform to uh, take like kind of like a shortcut deeper into the facility. Um, you basically you come up to this like wide gap, and he notes that there's a movable platform. He's like, "Hey, why don't you activate that?" But as soon as you do, uh, the sort of like arm from the assembly line comes out and just grabs BT and starts dragging him down uh, the assembly line. And it's really funny, like this whole time um, through your loading screens for, for this part, as you, uh, as you follow after him on the platform you activated, 
it'll it'll say like what BT's doing. So he's like, oh, uh, uh, first first order of business, free oneself. Like, and then it'll go attempt like thirty seven. Like he tries to like blast all the rockets and break the arm. And as you go through the different parts, like the number keeps growing. So I think he hits like a hundred by the, before you actually free him. That's a pretty intense assembly line if it takes a hundred rocket salvos to break free of. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like, well, I, it's one of those things. I don't think that actually ever ends up freeing him. I, 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 as I go down here, I believe, it, you know, as I recall, it, it, it ends up being the stuff you do throughout the, uh, throughout the mission that actually get him loose. Okay. I constantly feel like BT in that claw, just just kicking and and flailing about, can't get loose. That's how I feel like in my in my typical day. Just just BT, just like <sighs> continue. I'm just imagining, you know, like you know, like when you see a bug on its back and just everything is kicking. Uh-huh. I just imagine him like that, except he's like kind of midair, just kind of going every which direction. Just, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yes. So, uh, what starts as a, as Justin mentioned actually earlier, what starts as like this, uh, as you make your way through the assembly line trying to chase after him, what starts as this just sort of like a run of the mill Rick rectangular slab of concrete as we all encounter in life um slowly <laughs> slowly gets added onto um by like like first it adds like little shrubberies and sort of like foundation outlines then it adds the walls then it adds the furniture then it adds like little uh cardboard cutouts or uh mannequins of uh meant to represent people inside of them as you make your way through this facility and this is actually it, it's a really fun part because you're you're constantly doing like wall running, parkouring, and fighting off like random uh, AI enemies as uh, you make it to different landings while you make your way through. But um, as you're making it through, BT is like I said earlier, just constantly struggling, constantly trying to uh, free himself. And then as you make your way through the uh, the radio um you can hear ash uh communicating uh communicating with a uh, blisk and blisk is trying to like encourage her to not like kind of like play with her food he's like you know like oi like just take care of it and she's like yeah yeah okay um and as you make it further through the uh facility he starts to uh, get a little more belligerent with her so when you reach the top of the facility you're in this sort of uh specialized uh dome um kind of like a thunderdome it, it, it simulates the uh the weather uh for the um the, the area you just uh manufactured mm-hmm. and it turns out ash had actually like already captured some militia grunts sent them in and uh, had been sending them into like varying tests so when she drops you in there um by way of like summoning you up through the assembly line she also re-releases these other uh, militia forces uh, from a room she had in holding uh, just outside the uh, the dome uh, to come in and also face um, this new sort of mishmash 
Um, in this case, what she releases are specters and reaper units. And now reaper units are just kind of like these. Uh, if, if you can imagine the specter, the specter is about the size of a person. Mm-hmm. The reaper, I would say, is about like three to four times that size, like taller, wider, completely robotic, and uh, just more dangerous to uh, to pilots or persons while as not so threatening to like a Titan because it's still smaller. So it's the Terminator. Uh, Terminator. If he had a much square body. Yes. Almost. Yeah. Um, I, I like think of them as the, the T 2000 or f- from RoboCop. Is that the right letter? The, the, oh, the I know butt head. yeah, the, the, the crappy, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, the thing that really wanted that ooze <laughs> is coming out like clicking yeah. for it. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know. just yeah. that's so how like, I that's uh, how I would see it. As yeah, as opposed okay. to like something that's man sized, maybe like uh, yeah, it's definitely like larger than a man. Um, the head and shoulders above above people. It's definitely um an anti personnel unit. Quite literally. Exactly. And that's quite a hard level. Like, um, especially on higher difficulties because the little um, exploding spider bots will seek you out. And um, doesn't matter what room you go into, you can't even have a moment's peace to even open like a, an armament chest. You can't really do anything. Like you just got to stay moving. Yeah, like every no no place is safe, only safer. Yeah, the these actually you'll be in a house and you'll be inside one of these small houses and you'll be trying to open up and see what what weapons are these little chests and then there'll be a specter behind you inside the house and you'll be like the door is not that big. Um yeah. <laughs> like they uh, they turn sideways just to come in and kill you. Uh-huh. Just kind of fly in horizontally. Well, it's 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 a it's a really cool thing because uh like I I really enjoyed <clears throat> this sort of whole like because like why would you have a whole facility just to build this unless like conquering various worlds and training your whole uh, corporate forces to uh, sort of uh, indiscriminately like take over varying landscapes you know like why why would you even bother with that whole like assembly line yeah team building retreat. <laughs> yeah it's it's a danger room is what that place is exactly yeah it's, that, it's, it's very x-men danger room yeah but of course because we're awesome what do we do we prevail yeah we uh so you jack cooper make it through all those um imc guys who got sent in with you uh they they're yeah. not so lucky uh, but after you take out the forces, the the doorway, or even if you don't take out the forces, actually, if I recall correctly, um, the doorway that they were released through remains open, and BT, still struggling and held on by the robotic arm, <laughs> tells you that that's your best way to escape, is to go through where they came from. So, like, you get just to the other side, and you're kind of like, it's kind of like being backstage at this point. Um, like if That's the main cool. stage is the, is the dome, like you're kind of backstage in like the warehousey part of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's, a uh, it's, 
It's very, very cool. Um, so what you do after that is you're sort of trying to make your way back to BT again as Jack Cooper. And uh, Blisk, you, through your connection through uh, Apex Predator Communications, Blisk is sort of coming over uh, and talking to Ashes to sort of ascertain your, uh, your situation. She relates that she hasn't destroyed you yet. And so Blisk is just kind of like, stop playing games. You need to, uh, you like, just, just kill him and get it over with. So she comments that she's just going to blow up the whole plant. <laughs> okay. To get you uh, to destroy Jack and BT. And she actually says explicitly, like, you might think this overkill. You might think this is overkill, and you'd be right. <laughs> 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 I like this character. Oh no, Ashes Ashes for as little exposure as I feel like she gets in the overall story. Like she's she's definitely cool. And she can be uh if you choose the uh Vincent Dynamics uh faction in multiplayer, she's your like multiplayer coach. So mm-hmm. like before you drop out of the dropship every time, like she's the one who gives you encouragement. It's actually kind of funny. Um so yeah, as uh the reaction, at, at, so your, your plan to meet up with BT again is to overload the plant um, to release him from the arm. And the reaction caused by overloading that, like, finally frees BT from this sort of, like, actuating assembly line arm that he's been trapped in this whole time. Um, and then when you're kind of in, like, after you've reunited with him, it's not quite another dome. It's actually very similar to a, um, a multiplayer map that you play in. But it, it's kind of like if you had this, it, it's the facility map. So it's kind of like if you're half in a, the, the manufacturing part of the facility that the, like people might occupy and half in one of those domes not too dissimilar from where you just were. But they're, it, it, it's not at the same thing. Like you, you don't have the assembly line like feeding up those grounds. Um, that is where you meet Ash. Ash is a Ronin. That means she's got a sword. Yes. <laughs> I do understand what a Ronin is, Justin. Oh, okay. God. I'm sorry. I'm God. sorry. I've watched well, Mr. Fruit for the last couple of months playing it. God. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Nah, no worries. Sorry. No worries. You know what an actual Ronin is? You probably Yes, it is a it is a Asian. It's not samurai. Well, it is samurai, it's, well, but it's, it's a not. rogue samurai. It's a rogue samurai who got samurai. has gone solo. With no master. Um <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that. Just no yeah, you master. gotta say it like that. You like you're in the Shimada clan. Um yeah. so oh God, I'm I'm just drawing a gigantic blank on this. Um, on this. So after you fight Ash, and the is this the the level you were talking about? That was the buildum Bob the Builder level. Yes, yeah, that's that's the that's the whole fight that he just described, mm-hmm. which is pretty much you're you're cued into this little danger room type scenario, and you fight through all these these um reapers and uh when you get to the end of it you kind of break out and get outside of the dome and that's where you uh you hear that ash has plans on just blowing up the whole facility and you confront her and 
speak to her. And then, yep. uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, after after you get into, uh, I forgot I was on push to talk. <laughs> so after 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 you defeat her in the um, in the manufacturing plant, um, the next mission actually has like one of my favorite mechanics in the game. So you made your way out of the man- manufacturing uh, facility, and you get your way to the research facility, which is where you're supposed to meet up with. Uh, with uh, Major Anderson. <laughs> yes, Q mm-hmm. time travel. Q <laughs> time travel. Um, in the burned out remains of uh, what looks like this, just sort of like giant uh, research complex, like the sort of generic office buildings, uh, general like sort of advanced laboratory type of place. Um, Jack, uh, it, as he makes his way towards the. Uh, the facility he sort of flashes in and out of uh of different times he notices so like he's walking through this burnt out facility and all of a sudden the facility is pristine and there's people who work there just like moving about and uh having discussions about uh, what they're working on um when these occurrences kind of like suddenly end he finds himself back in the husk of the facility so he's a little like weirded out by what's going on he uh, comments to bt and bt says that the temporal distortions are showing all over the place as they near the research facility so jack um decides to push ahead uh for now and just kind of deal with it when you arrive you and bt clear out some aggressive wildlife uh these are kind of like it's hard to i'm trying to think of a of another game to compare them but they're yeah, I guess a good one might be Borderlands. Uh, some of the the beasts that attack you in, in Skags. Yeah. yeah, like a lot like Skags. They they they're very quick, uh, four legged, sort of like half lizard, half dog things that, yeah. that, that come allergic, at you real aggressive. Allergic to bullets. Very allergic to bullets. <laughs> <laughs> um. So as as you make your way through that facility, uh, BT is uh, trying to help you find the search for uh, Major Anderson. Um, after you clear it out, he enters the building, but he kind of realize and he finds Major Anderson at the at sort of the top of the ceiling. But he realizes that Major Anderson is kind of like half out of the ceiling. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, he comes through and he's like looking at this dude. So like imagine looking at the ceiling and it's like maybe one guy down to his chest with like one arm kind of reaching out. That's, okay. prob- that's problematic. Yeah, that is a big problem. So- I was thinking like Mary Poppins. What was the name of the guy that's laughing and up at the ceiling for a second there? Laughing it up in the ceiling. Yeah, that's oh, it's creepy. Yeah, and Mary no, Poppins. No. The it's like Mary Uncle Poppins. something or yeah, whatever. Mary Poppins is creepy. So, <laughs> Mary Poppins, y'all. Have you seen? Um, no, thank no, you, no, Justin. Have you, have you seen? That's have you fine. seen the Mary Poppins trailer turned into a horror movie? No, uh, it, it already is one. And, so. well, all they did was replace it with uh, Hitchcock movie music, and oh, like, right. they played the exact trailer, and it's yeah. Continue, continue. This is my this is <laughs> so, my takeaway. This is, we're in a we're in a Mary Poppins game now. <laughs> All right, dig it. Um, so after after you make your way to the facility, um, you the the parts of uh, him you can see are are one of his hands sort of outstretched. You can see his shoulders. You can see his helmet. So you take his helmet off, 
you get his data unit and you go back to BT for him to reveal the parts of Anderson's mission that you'll now be undertaking because Anderson is dead. Mm -hmm. Um, And it basically uh, gives you the briefing from uh, Sarah Briggs, uh, who from the first game is the uh, sort of militia commander, at least for like this, like grouping that you're in as Jack Cooper. Um, And basically she says that they detected this huge release of uh, energy on Typhon, the planet that you're now on. And they've been reading temporal disturbances like ever since she gives Anderson this device that's, uh, wrist worn, which uh, it protects you from the shifts in time. So, like as you let in, you randomly got blipped in time. Um, uh, earlier in the mission, what this wrist device will do is allow you to sync with one time or the other, so you don't get like randomly moved back and forth against your will. And she sends uh, Anderson to investigate the IMC facility. BT informs you that since you're the only pilot left who managed to rendezvous with Anderson, you're now in charge of his mission. So again, another field promotion. Um, exactly. I'm also I'm also being informed that this is another one of those times that BT shows lack of understanding human-like speech. Oh, there, there's a lot of times. Uh, oh yeah, when you first come on to Anderson, uh, BT asks if he's alive, and I think one of the options is like he's hanging around. <laughs> he's kind of in the middle of something um, yeah. <laughs> there's some good ones and then and then uh my reaction is like several times throughout the game you have those options to sort of like be like punny to bt and he he totally pulls a drack from uh from <laughs> from uh, guardians of the galaxy and just does not get it yeah, <laughs> it's pretty pretty great. Um, so you're you're in charge now, and this is actually one of the uh, one of the more fun parts of the game. This is the first time BT uh, to get to the part of the building because you didn't see the device that um, is given to Anderson based on what was exposed. You have to get to the other part of the building now. So BT elects to uh, he suggests that like maybe I should throw you. And at this point, oh, no. they decide it's not the best decision. So BT, like, BT, uh, and it's really funny. Every time he throws something, he does, like, the Babe Ruth point as to, like, where it's going to go. <laughs> and uh, at this point, he throws a, uh, what's essentially, like, a power line. Uh, it's one of those, like, wooden power lines you might see on the side of the road. He, like, just, like, chucks it like a spear, like a javelin straight into the top of the building and Jack rides the, uh, the cable um, up to the top of the facility and makes his way back down through the uh, roof. When he makes w- to uh, the second half of uh, Anderson's body, which is just like an arm and his legs sticking out of the floor uh, from this angle, he, uh, he removes the glove and takes it on. So now he can like phase back in time through like each point in reality, which um, effectively are, right before the IMC uh, successfully conducted the experiment you're going to find out about here in this mission and uh, the point you walked in on. So like um, burnt out or like completely restored. Mm -hmm. And you actually use that mechanic to traverse this story mission. So like you'll get to, to portions that are blocked off in one, in one time state and you'll actually toggle to the other and find that like the wall's broken and you can go through. It's actually really cool. I was going to say, this sounds sounds like, this sounds like it's your favorite game. 
it's dude, it's it's totally so much fun. awesome. This is like one of the best parts of a video game. Yeah, it's, like it's it's almost like trying to fight through. And I was having trouble saying this in chat or expressing this in chat, but it's almost like imagine if you had two mirror versions of the same map. Mm-hmm. And to get through it, they're like only slightly different. So you have to like phase in and out with each part. And so like I can't get through in this side. Let me go to the the other the other map and like the floor might be out and you can get across that way. Or my favorite parts are when you have to choose between two bad choices. So like in one timeline, there's like hostile imc soldiers shooting at you and then you're like oh crap get out of there and you flip to the other one and there's a giant beast mauling you and then you're like, oh, oh at the elevators at the elevators <laughs> yeah uh, oh dude you just just throw your grenade in the elevator when the door is open and then that whole side is like completely clear you have like a safe oh. space oh sweet <laughs> Yeah, because uh, uh, they're all grouped up in there. The way uh, the way the AI works is if because uh, I think at that point you only have like frag grenades. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, you get like two or three of them, and I think they open like as many doors. If like as soon as they open the door, you just like chuck a grenade like right in there and maybe start shooting so they don't all like run out. By the time the grenade goes off, that entire that entire thing is just completely done. Nice. Where were you yeah. when I was doing this? Oh, <laughs> um, so you you kind of traverse through this whole deal and get to the to the root of this problem, these temporal distortions, and this is actually the machine that they were they were using to to produce this effect. Correct? Yeah, it's called a uh, it's called a fold weapon, and it's actually kind of like a this is almost like a like a lot like Borderlands inspired. Like they kind of found this alien technology digging around the planet. Like they don't know all the ins and outs of it just yet. But it, it, it's basically uh, they they have so much energy uh, that they're able to produce that they're able to fold it in on themselves. That's what allows them to do the uh, the that that that's what actually causes the the time disturbances. If you have uh, so much energy that you actually have to suppress it into a quantum state, so it, it's existing in multiple places. That's cool. I like that. The climax of this of this uh, mission is visually just freaking astounding looking. Um, I, I guess you want to talk to, about how you actually get there, but yeah. Well, um, so after after as you make your way through the facility, uh, you're blipping back and forth. You actually um, look at uh, uh, Martyr. Uh, Martyr is the uh, or, general i think he's a general but but basically this guy martyr um you end up hearing his uh speech and he's the guy who's actually as you come to find out if you stop and listen to all the different like laptop recordings and stuff throughout this mission um he's the guy who's now currently in charge of the imc in this quadrant he's the new vice admiral and um his whole view on mankind is that uh and and this is where you get the background that mankind's been expanding so fast uh, since they left the uh, the inner the core systems is a we're expanding at such a rate that life is actually cheap. Um, there are so many people that losing some people really means nothing because you have almost an infinite source of people at the the other end of the rim at that at, at that stage of the of a human expansion in the in the galaxy. So this this whole speech he gives um, as you make your way through the facility sort of outlines at least like this iteration of the IMC's mindset. 
And um, as you uh, you end up going to the uh, place where they first uh, sealed that fold weapons core together, and the uh, core is kind of like this uh, geodesic uh, sphere kind of thing that uh, holds the energy um, in sort of like a singularity. So you make your way through that, and uh, you make your way back outside to BT in um, the present mm-hmm. uh, from the building. You rejoin BT, and you like get inside him. And this is the only point in the game when you're when you're inside BT, you're actually able to like phase back and forth um, with the time shift, like while you're in uh, your Titan. So you you phase back and forth, and um, as you go in the past to when they first successfully test the weapon, that huge release of energy that first drew the uh, militia to the planet. Um, time starts to distort like really rapidly. So as you rush toward the singularity for everyone, but Jack time actually stops. So you have this freaking cool. You have this sort of like mid storm vortex where all these like pieces of building um, are strewn about, but you use that as kind of like this parkour element as you make your way to the center where the uh, fold weapon was uh, centralized. And what you do basically while time is still frozen uh, before the facility goes uh, kaput, you um, get a scan of the signal so you can track it back in the present. And uh, there's a huge flash of light um, after you get the scan and you kind of like, it's not really come to so much as like the next portion of the game is you're like coming to and not only is BT there, um, but uh, the data was successfully collected. So the, the next, the next part of the mission, next part of the game is you're, you got to get this information out to the militia. Okay. Um, the, the, okay, so you said it was an alien technology. Were they just testing it just to try to see how it worked, or was there some malicious intent, intent behind it? Oh, they're, they're, uh, you don't have any expressed um, motive in the game. But based on a uh, martyr speech and what seemed to be the motif of that facility, mm-hmm. uh, it's very easy to surmise that they were clearly trying to weaponize this from the get-go. Oh, and they, they call it a weapon. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, okay. it, like they don't refer to anything as but a fold weapon. Okay. Um, so you stop that and you come to... You come, you come to, um, and then BT basically tells you, like, now that you've completed that portion of Anderson's mission, the following part of the mission is to report back to the uh, militia fleet. Um, so, let me see here. Sorry, get my notes up real quick. No worries. Does anything cool happen since you have that field promotion to Anderson's what would you what did you say his ranking was his rank his rank was major but it, it it the field promotion is not like you become major now it's more like you're the only one here so now you have to do it ah okay <laughs> yeah. uh, he's assistant to the major yeah um so once you reunite with a bt and you resolve that the the data needs to be sent back to the militia you make your way over to a nearby communications tower. And once you get there, you kind of find out the militia has been holed up at the substation. Uh, they tried to send out a, uh, a distress signal like 
really right before you got there, but they failed kind of miserably. So you enter in the substation and this is, this is one of again, like a really cool, like level platforming, like kind of parkouring part of the, uh, the mission. You make your way through the, uh, the innards of the, the substation where they're at to find an arc tool so that you can recharge the tower and reposition the satellite so you can successfully get the signal out. Um, and it's really funny. You, you, you find a Marvin unit. It's a MRVN. They're these like little, like kind of like a sweeper bots throughout the game who are like strictly doing like utilitarian purposes, but their chest has like a smiley face on it. Mm-hmm. When you take the arc tool from it. <laughs> when you take the arc tool from it, it becomes a sad face because Aww. now it has no purpose. <laughs> that's, that's really sad. <laughs> I just wish people had that so you could know where they are in life. <laughs> I, make, wish, I wish you know, the I sweeper could... bot had that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, poor sweeper bot. Well, to be fair, sweeper bot can communicate much better than a Marvin. Well, Marvin fair. can actually like speak English. Like he's just kind of like, blah, 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 blah. like, like those kind of. <laughs> Oh my god, that's that amazing! Good. That's actually what I wish they had done with super good advice. Is <laughs> on the display uh, have like a little smiley emoticon, and then like as it runs out of ammo, have it like shift to like a neutral face, oh, and no. then like a sad face when it gets empty. I'm thinking it's all the brows, so like it, it's like the downward brow with yeah, the smile yeah, 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 when yeah. it starts off, and it slowly rocks outward. <laughs> it's like, becoming, like on a on a scale of zero to ten. Where, how would you rank your pain? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm trying, like, because we're we're not we're actually through most of the part of the game at this point. So, oh, cool. um, um, so you uh, after after you make your way through and you make a sad uh, a Marvin bot, which is also funny. The first time I did it, I didn't realize that happened because I just punched him out and took the. Uh, the oh God! <laughs> I need this. Just give it to me. Yeah, it's total CJ mode. But uh, so you make your way, you make your way back out, um, and uh, you're confronted by Richter. Richter being the guy who was cutting off ears earlier in the game, mm-hmm. and, and R- Richter's like a really kind of like your classic. He reminds me of the bad guys in Die Hard, just sort of like you know random German bad guy. He's like um, Dolph Lundgren in Universal Soldier. Very much so. He kind of comes in like das ist Richter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so you you battle him, you dispatch him, and then it comes time to uh, parkour the uh, the tower, and you make your way up the uh, this communication satellite with your arc tool. Or actually, I got it backwards. You do this first before you battle Richter. I apologize, but you you make your way up there. Uh, you battle through. Um, uh grunt units and specter units and richter actually comments uh when they request for backup like that it's odd that they haven't killed you yet basically he's like really you need more backup like okay and he sends them through you reposition the satellite when you come back down before you're able to send the message that's when you fight richter um and as you take him down this is actually funny this is the first time i got the uh pull off an execution in the campaign trophy and Richter gets very vocal when you put him down like that. And an execution is basically after you deplete the uh, the health points of a Titan, they go into what's called doomed mode. So it's like they're they have another health bar. It's very weak. 
and it's striped like a like a hazard uh, tape. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you melees if you melee a titan from another titan while you're while while they're they're like that, you'll perform like a, an execution like like what you see in a lot of the videos. And when you're doing it to him, he's just like he is screaming bloody murder. He is not trying to have any of it. <laughs> <laughs> Put him down. <laughs> <laughs> you put him down real good. Um, <laughs> if you haven't tried it, I highly recommend it. Uh, and uh, so after you put him down, you guys successfully um, uh, send out the message. And um, at, at you kind of like cut away. So when you come back, you're uh, back at the facility with other militia forces. And you meet up with uh, Sarah Briggs. And when she first meets up with you, she sort of suggests that you're going to be reassigned because at this point, um, she like when she looks up your record, you were Jack Cooper uh, rifleman. I think he was a third class, which I think is the lowest one. Um, but at this point, BT actually sticks up for you. He's like, no, no, no. I want to stay with Jack because uh, we've been performing at, I think he says like 97% like efficiency. Wow. So, yeah, you guys okay. are like really meshing well. I think you're actually meshing better than he did with Last Amosa, but I I don't have those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> based on uh based on his reaction. So um so the the you cut away again and you're in a uh, dropship with uh BT and you can see uh Sarah Briggs walking through. Basically the the point at this point is you guys are trying to track down the fold weapon before they get to use it while it's still on Typhon. And as she's giving her speech, she actually has her chassis up. And this is like what I was talking about earlier. Like as she gestures, like uh, her Titan gestures, like with her in unison, mm-hmm. just sort of like a really is a testament to the, uh, the neural link that's going on there. Like it's moving with her body as it is her body. And you guys go after um, the, you, you find out that the IMC are currently transporting the fold weapon. So you guys are like scrambling to get after it as fast as you can. Um, the next part of the game is what um, a lot of people find one of the more difficult parts of the game. But uh, as you're chasing after the, um, the ship that's, uh, it's actually kind of like a fleet that's uh, carrying the uh, fold weapon. Um, they're fighting back and your carrier gets shot down. So uh, Jack Cooper and BT jump out and land on the back of uh, a carrier. Um, I believe it's by, uh, uh, that's just a random character. And then uh, Baker from the, uh, the um, Angel City Elite who you res- rescued in the first game shows up. And he, um, he helps uh, formulate a plan with BT to, uh, to get you to, uh, to where you need to be. So the first thing you and BT do is get on, uh, is get on his ship and he repositions you. And then BT uh, opts to throw you this time. He's like, I'm actually going to try to throw you. And it's really funny. So um, along with Baker, the, uh, this group called the six, four come in and uh, they're, they're one of the factions in multiplayer. They're sort of like a, not quite mercenaries, but they work with the militia mostly, but they're kind of their own group. Maybe like a faction, you might say. And uh, they call it a fastball special, which is a total reference to the X-Men, if I ever heard one, where uh, <laughs> one of them were like giant mutants, like Chuck's Wolverine in someone's direction. Hey, doesn't Coloss- <laughs> it's Colossus. Colossus does that. 
Yes, yes, he is. He is one of the candidates. Uh, I want to say Beast also did it. Yeah, I I could see Beast do it, but yeah, I remember Colossus doing it like multiple times. God, I yeah, love, I love that that particular combo. <laughs> so, um, they they chuck you on the uh, on the character <laughs> or on the on the ship that that's carrying the uh, the uh, the fold weapon. And uh, you fight your way through, and basically what you got to do is take out these um, anti-air installments that are along the ship. So Jack makes his way through. Uh, There's an optional thing of activating specters on your side. You're also met up with with other militia pilots uh, as you make your way through. So the 6-4 join you. Um, You guys deactivate all the guns, and you make your way toward the bridge. As you make your way toward the bridge, the uh, the six four like shoot out the window, but it's actually a really funny point in the game because especially as you play on higher level difficulties where your ability to die is much easier, if you stand too close to the glass when they shoot it out, you could actually die. So it's just like it's just like get ready, Jack. We're gonna show you how the six four do it, and then you die when they shoot out the glass, and like the battle starts. <laughs> It uh, it shouldn't happen if it it shouldn't happen, but it, it definitely it definitely happened to me when I was playing through on hard my first time. I was like, oh no, let me go down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. So um, after you make your way through to the bridge with the uh, with the six four, you guys successfully take over the ship, and um, you hack the controls with your uh, with your hacking knife. And the hacking knife is pretty cool. I don't know if everyone knows this, but it's basically like it has like a joystick uh, handle. So when you go in, you pull the trigger, it starts to hack the things and um, hack the systems. And you reposition your uh, the carrier behind the lead carrier because that's the last thing you have to take down to completely have control of the ship. Um, as you reposition, you do so. Um, you rejoin BT on the outside of the thing and you're confronted by Viper. Viper has been the guy who's been flying around this whole mission, kind of like shooting up and, and plugging things in um, to uh, sort of halt the uh, militia advance. And after um, now he's confronting you. So he's in a North star, which is the most like aerial and like rocket sort of prone. It's supposed to be like the long distance Titan. Um, you have a very tough fight with him and a few, a couple other Titans who land on the hull of the ship. Um, now when his Titan goes down, you're actually thrown from BT because you think he's down and BT's going to fastball special you over to the command ship, uh, again, but he shows up, uh, as BT's about to throw you, he comes back from the, uh, the ground, um, below the ship that you were on knocks you away from bt and while he's struggling with bt bt actually rips open his chassis and tells you to take a sniper shot it's one of the coolest like boss ends in the games because bt's like ripped open the chassis of his robot and you have to like shoot the pilot on the inside to save bt it's a really cool like kind of like heart pounding moment in the game um once you take out the once you take out viper uh, you load back up into VT or BT and you go over to that command and you go back down into the ship that you've already conquered as opposed to throwing you over to the command ship to uh, recover the uh, fold weapon. As you get to the fold weapon, um, you're kind of in the burning carry. You try to rec- retrieve the core before it crashes, but uh, as, 
as it gets loaded into, you load it into BT's chassis and you try to exit the ship, um, the ship's kind of coming down around you and BT chooses to shield Jack and Jack asks him what he's doing. And BT says protocol three, like protect the pilot. So like he just kind of like human or in this case, robot shields you as you, uh, as you go down and uh, crash. And then you kind of like fade to white. So he's not actually sacrificing himself necessarily, is he? Um, in at, it, I, I would say his intent is if it, everything he's doing is like, I don't think he hopes to sacrifice himself because he has to uphold the mission, but he's putting mm-hmm. himself in a position to where like, if, if, you know, push came to shove, uh, he would end up sacrificing himself to protect you, uh, Jack Cooper. Right. Interesting. There's, I just didn't know if there was like an emotional attachment or if it literally was just following the laws that was written into the coding. It's, it's really interesting. So like BT kind of has that, uh, at least as I remember it in vanilla destiny, sort of that, uh, that Peter Dinklage quality of being like robotic in his delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, he's much better fleshed out. Uh, I'll admit that right off the bat, but he, he kind of, um, you find him, you find him like as like a caring sort of like he's like a, he's like a kid brother who always has your back kind of thing by the end of the story so like you you definitely start to uh to realize he's looking out for you after losing Lastimosa and when he says like another pilot like you don't even know if he means like Lastimosa was the only pilot he'd lost or if he'd lost like uh, someone else before that okay that's a good point So, uh, when you come to, um, where are we at here? Right when you come. Here's a question for you, Justin. While ta- uh, Taylor's looking for that, is the the phase shift a result? You, okay, you got that during one of the missions. Do you get that during the mission where you're going through the the chrono? Well, I want to say the chronometer where they're doing the time folding and stuff like that, or is uh-huh. that in a different mission? No, that's, that's where you, you first encounter it. You it's, it's really more of a, an anomaly you encounter and then you get the little bracelet that helps you um, control it. Okay. Exactly. Um, so you're, you're actually, you're actually just controlling a phenomenon that was happening already with whether you control it or not. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so think of if, uh, if like the two time periods because of that bomb are sort of, uh, encroaching in on one another, sort of think of what the, uh, the bracelet sort of like the, uh, the glove allows you to do is, uh, sync yourself with one time or the other. You're not sort of being like pulled between both. Right. I just didn't know if it would like the face phase shift mo, uh, mobility perk that you can choose when you're in the multiplayer. I didn't know if Ooh. it came from this or not. It's it, they're, they're similar, but they, they function very differently. So in, um, in multiplayer, what the phase shift allows you to do is you kind of uh, de-phase with uh, the rest of the game. And you mm-hmm. have, uh, you have a lot of time where you can like move around in different fashions. Right. So like, if like I want to run past you or something like that, whereas in this part of the game, it's like, 
shifting you between the two different times. So you could be safe in one map and be totally surrounded in another. Whereas in multiplayer, what it allows you to do is uh, effectively kind of like disappear from in game. Like no one can track you or shoot you. Mm-hmm. And then allows you to like rephase um, in, into the multiplayer map. But like you, you always see the same uh, enemies and, uh, and layouts. You're still in the same, same time stream. You're just yeah, exactly. a part of it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, sorry I phased out there for a second. I forgot I had to push to talk on. <laughs> no worries. No. So we got um so after after you leave the facility, you Jack Jack wakes up and BT is or uh, not BT, Blisk is uh, arguing with Martyr and you see BT sort of hanging um his chassis at this point I think is like one arm and his like shoulder weapons like he's been blown to bits uh protecting Jack in the crash. And Blisk and Sloan, the last member of the Apex Predators, uh, who, whom you haven't faced yet, are uh, sitting there and they're talking with Martyr over radio. And Martyr's basically saying, like, you need to get the Ark out of BT right now because it's still sitting in his chassis. So what Blisk decides to do is uh, at first he starts to kind of like torture BT. And BT is just sort of resisting, uh, just giving him his uh, service number, all that stuff. And then he turns, he's like, well, okay. I know your protocols and he starts turning it on Jack. And so what, what BT does, and I think this is very clever is he just acts like he can't see his pilot. Therefore he doesn't have to follow those protocols. Oh God. (laughs) Just look away. Yeah. Well, he's just like his, uh, his, his, uh, sort of like one optical unit, like narrows, like he's squinting and he's like, can't discern pilot. (laughs) Oh God. So he doesn't have to follow protocol three. So, Nice. So Blisk lifts Jack up and like drags him over to uh, to where BT is, and then Jack sort of gets a a message in his helmet uh, from BT saying like "Trust me." And um, BT, you know, says he discerns the pilot. He opens up his chassis, and then as they as they remove the uh, the arc, and uh, Sloan and Blisk start to get away. <coughs> um, BT then starts opening attack on uh on everyone while they're sort of blinded by the initial uh radiance of the uh fold weapon so uh he you know kills the grunts that have that have jack and like kind of knocks him back sort of reminiscent to the uh the first game Mm -hmm. or the the first opening mission of this game sorry um and uh when when jack comes to it kind of looks like bt's dead and Jack rushes over and he pulls the, uh, the core from BT. And so that, that's sort of like I unit you see on the, uh, I unit you see on the, on the BT, um, Titan. If you look at the, uh, the game art, uh, that's sort of like rectangular unit where the eyes house, he pulls mm-hmm. that completely off. He opens it up. There's a smart pistol in there and there's another data knife. And then lastly, he pulls out the, uh, the BT core. Um, and that's, that's the part of the game where you get to run through with the, uh, with the smart pistol right after that. So it's actually like a really, really fun part. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, you, uh, you make your way through the, uh, the ship that you're, that you're on. Or you had a facility at this point. I think, it, I think it's a facility. Anyway. 
you make your way through um, with the smart pistol. And this is like, you're the one of the most like you're in an action movie type things because with the pistol doing the auto aiming, that's where you can get all the achievements, like kill three guys while you're skating across the wall or like sliding through the floor and, uh, and all that. It's, it's, it's a lot, a lot of fun. Um, as you make your way back to the, uh, the main portion of the facility where they're going to be launching the fold weapon, they, uh, you remake contact with uh, Sarah Briggs and they send you a new chassis for BT. So they send you this like silver Vanguard chassis that doesn't have a core loaded into it. You reload BT and get back in the chassis. Um, and you continue your pursuit. So you fight your way through some waves of Titans and you make your way toward the uh, fold weapon. And as you get there, you see Sloan, the, uh, the last... Last member of the Apex Predators, along with Blisk, loading the uh, the fold weapon into, I guess you would say, like, loading it into the barrel of a gun. It's like they're loading it into the weapon that's going to fire it at, uh, at the planet they're planning on using it on and releasing, like, a huge amount of energy. Um, as they're loading it in, they see you approach, and Sloane opts to, uh, to take you on herself. Um, and this is the, uh, this is the last boss fight in the, uh, in the game. So is she, okay. Sloan male, female. She, oh, it's, it's a female. She's uh she's in an ion type Titan, which is sort of like, uh, if you, if, if you ever saw the movie iron giant, just think lasers everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, it's that type of guy. Um, you, you fight her and it's, it's honestly, at least in my view, not as tough as the Viper fight uh, that right. he did because he's flying all over the air. He's like impossible to hit, especially so, at higher difficulties. Okay, so you, you fight Sloane. She's the last boss battle. Yeah, she's the last boss battle. Um, after you defeat her, um, Blisk, or uh, as you approach defeat her, Blisk is informed by Martyr that his job is done because he loaded the. Uh, the uh the arc into the the fold weapon into the arc mm-hmm. um, and he basically tells sloan like she can kill you if she wants and salvage the rest she's like there's no gun that can be any salvage so you fight sarah or you fight the you fight sloan uh jack and bt are able to defeat her and they rip the arc out of the fold weapon but it's already begun to power up so they just missed their chance um the arc weapon it, it kind of like uh, backlashes at them and they find themselves on the ground with uh, Blisk over them. And Blisk is, uh, while he's leaning over, says, you know, like, lucky for you, I don't kill unless I'm paid to do it. So he kind of like gives off this like uh, almost like lawful evil kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Like he would have no compunction killing you, but he gets nothing out of it immediately. So there's no point. You're not worth his time. Um. As a uh, BT recovers um, from that uh, message, he climbs onto the uh, the arc weapon, and he surmises that they can use the arc weapon to launch themselves into the core to uh, sort of sabotage it from launching. At uh, I think they find out it's planning to launch at the militia home uh, home world. So I believe that's at like Homestead, um, another planet uh, that's in the multiplayer maps. Um, so as they as they go in, um, they BT climbs into the uh, in into the barrel. 
he and uh, he and Jack go back and forth about like what's going to go on. So BT's like his uh, his AI is kind of scrambling. So it goes protocol one, establish a link. It has a link with you. It goes protocol two. That's when it climbs into the uh, the thing to uphold the mission. And as you go in midair, protocol three finally blips up and it says protect the pilot. So right after Jack ends up saying, um, I'm not going anywhere this time, BT kind of like, it's kind of like a thank you kind of thing. Um, he tells Jack to trust him. He opens up his chassis, pulls Jack out and says protocol three, protect the pilot and hurls Jack back at the dropship um, where Sarah and uh, Baker are as he goes into the, uh, the arc um, core that's going off. So it's actually one of the more like heart wrenching things in the games. He's kind of like your, uh, your, your buddy has been through this and all this. And then he's like choosing not to uh, sacrifice you with himself as he goes out and uh, completes the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so as that, as that, uh, as that goes off, as he enters in the sort of like singularity that's occurring through the huge release of energy of the fold weapon. Um, all these things that uh, it, Jack has to kind of like escape to it to make to make complete his uh, path to the dropship. So it's uh, you're going through this sort of like a like a time tornado. So like things are spinning real fast, but then they slow down for a second, like pieces of debris, and you kind of parkour your way through it. Um, and they also crash into each other as as uh, as you try to make your way through. So you coordinate with Sarah. And then you jump at the last second and Baker swoop in uh, for Sarah to pull you into the side of the, uh, the ship to retrieve, uh, retrieve Jack. Um, they quickly make their escape. And this explosion that BT was able to halt from being launched ends up tearing Typhon like in half. Um, like geologically, like everything's ripped up into the atmosphere and, uh, and all that. Um, and that is the, uh, that's the end of the, um, the campaign. Um, after that you go through the, uh, credits and you get a voiceover from Jack that, uh, uh, about the, uh, the aftermath. So Jack is going to be reassigned to the Marauder Corps under, uh, Sarah Briggs. Uh, he's going to be kept as a pilot and the, uh, the militia now control a larger expanse of space. Uh, now that they've taken and destroyed the uh, the fold weapon that the IMC were developing, so Jack is uh, in the process. He's going to be shipped out to uh, get reassigned and uh, reconnected to a new Titan. And uh, at the end of it, he sort of compl- uh, comments that uh, he really liked the first one to uh, to begin with. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really funny. Like right as the uh, the credits um, sort of go out, you see this flashing in his helmet that sort of to some alludes that maybe BT was able to transfer himself into the helmet uh, and didn't quite like blow up in the, uh, in the explosion. That would be cool. Continuing on a little bit more. I hope so. But yeah, the ships pull out to uh, harmony. That was the, uh, the map I was trying to remember a second ago. Harmony is the, uh, the militia uh, home planet sort of base of operations thing. Um, and as they pull into there, you see like a huge mass of other ships. So, um, at the beginning of the game, um, they note that people were joining up left and right. I would mm-hmm. say at this point in the game, they're really amassing their, uh, their forces. 
Where do you think the next Titanfall is? And I'm assuming they're making another one with as popular as Titanfall 2 was. But where do you think they could take the story next? Well, it, um, I think there's plenty of open ground to continue the story of Jack and BT. And um, as I was saying before we recorded, the, this game's story is a, is a lot less um, universe um, explanatory so much as it is kind of like a, if you guys, uh, if you're familiar with, like, like I said um, to the guys here before, uh, but you guys listening, uh, the, uh, the most recent Judge Dredd movie, I think it's like the tower or something like that. Like it's very episodic. So I, I think there's plenty of room in the next, uh, in the next installment to continue sort of the story of Jack and BT should they decide he survived through uh, Jack's helmet and okay. uh, sort of explore the conflict between the, uh, the IMC and the uh, militia. Cool. Justin, do you have anything else that you can think of to add to this? I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I think that pretty well summarizes it. Well, thank you. Yeah, I couldn't have done it any better myself. That's why I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's um it's it's one of those things. Uh, the story of this game is it, definitely there if if you look for it, but it's not. With the exception of the campaign mode in Titanfall 2, uh, as far as like the, uh, the establishment of the world, like that stuff's a little harder to come by. But the, uh, the character development and the people you get attached to in the campaign of the second game, I definitely think will carry over into the third. Yeah, I would, I would almost liken the, the rift between the, the um, story they're developing with the, the story mode to the, the expanded stuff in the in the universe, kind of like the uh, IMC to the frontier. Like there's a big gulf between the two of them. Mm-hmm. There's not really, these aren't things that it's really easy to get at, but um, they're there. Well, what is it? They just released a, uh, a new um, Titan for the multiplayer mode. It's called the Monarch. And yes. uh, the, the yeah. lore behind it goes that the IMC after the destruction of Typhon recovered like bits and pieces from a couple uh, Vanguard class Titans. And sort mm-hmm. of reverse engineered the uh, the process. So it's like when you play it in multiplayer, it, it is not like you're playing BT, but it it, it it's very similar to some of those yeah. uh, builds that you can only get in the campaign mode. It's a lot of fun. Well, yeah, Whew. for a game with no story, we sure did make a meal out of it. I I know I started to feel bad. Sorry, guys. I didn't no, know. no, do no, not. No, not at all. And like you said, I mean, I know a lot of people are going to probably be like, but that doesn't really explain the universe. But it, I think it does tie into what you were saying is that the presentation of the universe is more episodic. So, you know, that's like trying to, you know, when the first two, like when the very first uh, Assassin's Creed 2 iteration came out, right? It'd be like trying to explain Ezio's story without getting into the details of the episodes of Ezio's story. Like you can't, you can't do it. You couldn't exactly. explain it. You have to explain the episodes in order to, you know, to understand the world. And I, I think it's, it's a long, it's a long game plan, which is actually a really good one, right? 
yeah, in Pluto and chat right now, we're two episodes into a, maybe a four or five episode season. Oh, absolutely. So I, I, I don't think, I think it given, given the game type that Titanfall is, you know, I don't think having a conversation of this breadth and this, you know, length, I think is absolutely necessary, even for a basic introduction. And and the problem here is like, obviously there's two games. So, you know, we're, we're trying to summarize two full games and whereas Titanfall, yeah, Titanfall didn't have a whole lot of story, but there was a lot of information, you know, it just was, yeah. buried. it was buried in a very destiny like situation. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, but it didn't have the benefit of like a grimoire. It's just right. kind of like you got to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's and that's what. Yeah, it's like it. It was. It's like it's vanilla destiny without the grimoire. Which, oh my gosh, that's no a wonder, nightmare. No wonder I was so frustrated with Titanfall. <laughs> I need to sleep tonight. Quit it, Blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's run to shoutouts real quick, and then we'll yeah. get out get out of here. So Taylor, why don't you lead the way for what, what shout outs do you have for us? Um, I would love to give a shout out to the, uh, the Titanfall subreddit, our Titanfall, uh, Titanfall story, which, uh, helped me kind of flesh out, uh, some of the bits I was missing from Titanfall one. And I want to give a big shout out to uh, charm Pluto who really helped me, uh, carry the chat while we were talking about Titanfall lore, uh, over the last month. Uh, I couldn't have done it without you, buddy. Nice, Yay, nice. and we'll get. And you said that's Titanfall, Titanfall story, and Titanfall, or just Titanfall story subreddits. Um, so there's the there's the Titanfall subreddit, and then there's Titanfall story. Okay, which uh, those are sort of more like lore nerds. It it doesn't get as much traction, but the, the, those guys are definitely uh, doing a lot of work, and they definitely help me out with their various posts. Cool. We'll be we'll be sure to link both of those. I just wanted to make sure I got the right subreddits. There's there's so many subreddits. Uh, so many. <laughs> uh, Green, how about you? What are your shout outs? Well, my shout outs are first off to Taylor and as a big thank you for coming in and kind of I. OK, so like I said, I only have ever watched Mr. Fruit play the game and he's kind of mentioned a few things every once in a while, but you never get a story because it's it's multiplayer that he plays. And so I never really understood anything at all about Titanfall. So it's nice to have somebody come in here and explain what's going on rather than just guys with big mechs playing robots. Cause that's what it feels like from an outside perspective a little bit without knowing any story. So thank what's you for coming in. That? That. Uh, you know, I, I like, I like, okay. So I like my rock'em sock'em robots, but I want to know why. That's why they rock'em. Why do they yeah. rock'em sock'em? <laughs> exactly so thank you for coming in and doing that uh it's, it helps give a lot of perspective to what is actually going on in the game well that, that's very sweet thank you thank you so much mm-hmm. and then justin. what do you think justin yes yes um just a quick uncharacteristically quick one for me uh big shout out to taylor for being here and helping me remember why I shot all those mans. It's nice to know that I was justified. Um, and uh, yeah, a uh, big, big shout out to my clan who kind of helped me, um, helped me uh, get my remaining two characters to 400. 
over the weekend. I now have a 400 Hunter, Warlock, and Titan. I cheated, but I've got them. Um, How did you cheat? I pretty much the 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 Warlock went from 97 light to 400 light in a day and a half. Ooh, someone did a raid with buddies. Yeah, and it was also a spark of light situation. Uh-huh. <laughs> she was a level two when we started, and then the the Titan had been played quite extensively, and it was just a matter of moving things over and um, getting extra pieces at 400. So, yeah, it was it was like six hours of playtime to get two 400 characters, which was pretty good. Yeah, but pretty good. big big shout out to. Um, I think actually uh, Cabal's to the wall and Trigger X-Blade for um, hopping in and helping me finish a raid and, and do some other things to get those characters to 400. So it, it was a it was kind of a meaningless mind st- milestone, but I kind of wanted it before D2 dropped. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. And All that's right. It. That's, those are my shout outs. Cool. Well, I wanted to give a real quick shout out. We got a couple new iTunes reviews in and i just really appreciate the feedback that we're getting we also got a couple um, emails from our new website we do have a streamlined contact form on the website which hopefully will make it easier for you guys to get a hold of us and we've gotten a couple of them in there um so just really appreciate the feedback that we're getting about that if you have any comments or you know questions about how we structured something on the website please 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 give us feedback on that because, you know, it's it's a newer site, so it is very malleable. If we need to change something or move something else around, we can, do, we can totally do that at this point. So give us feedback on that. Let us know how that all is working out for you guys. And we will see stream. We will see you guys tomorrow night. If you're listening to the podcast, we will talk to you 24 hours after this one probably drops. So guys, have a great night. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Taylor, for jumping into the chat. We really appreciate having you, and I'll be sure to get links to you up on our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through email as well. Remember that we try to stream a recap of the month-long extra lore conversations in the first week of each month, but if we do have any variations, such as we do next month, we will always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at focusfirechat. That variation for next month is going to be due to the Guardian Con event at the first of the month. So we will be recording the second week instead of the first week. Also, be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>